saying it was intolerable. The tuggery and the warmongering and the brutality of Putin, you wouldn't stand for it. Urgent action had to be taken. But we've got to be much more careful with the Palestinians and their treatment. And I haven't even got time to the briefing I organised this week about the people of Yemen and how Saudi Arabia, the most despotic regime in the world, armed to the teeth by the United States, Britain, France and others, killing 337,000 people in Yemen in the last five years, 10,000 children. Any action against the United States for arming them? Uh, Or Britain? Or France? Or Saudi itself? No. No action. No sanctions. No outrage. Words of concern. We'll raise it. We'll raise it. We'll call on them to do things. Now, you see, if you're going to have moral standards, those standards have to be consistent. Otherwise, they are not standards at all. They are just cynicism. And, of course, we all know the reason that the standards are not consistent is because to call out the apartheid state of Israel would be to run foul of the concerns of certain states that are now presenting themselves as defenders of democracy uh, and so on, such as the United States, the UK, Germany and other powers, whose relationship with Israel, supporting it and backing it, means that the European Union's uh, moral credentials uh, are bankrupted uh, and that they are not willing to take the action. And we go along with that. That is not acceptable. So I appeal to you, Minister, I appeal to you to uphold the tradition this country has, going right back to its foundation, to opposing oppression uh, of peoples and standing up against brutal powers that are willing to subjugate people like the Palestinians or any others. Show some moral backbone, show some consistency and support the motion that we have circulated to every TD in this house. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, March 5th, 2022, once again, thank you for joining me for part two. If you guys were here a moment ago for the COVID-19 discussion, so now we're going to get into the, the Ukraine focal point today, the discussion around that and everything else that's happening and all the deceptions therein. Now, for those that have tuned in from the COVID pre- the previous COVID discussion, please take a moment and share out the information because it, that even took longer than I expected, but I wasn't able to get all the shares out and, you know, the places we usually post that people to know what's going on, especially while we're being censored. Those, the way that we share and push this out personally is the how people find it because we're shadow banned and censored and that's not even a secret anymore. That used to be conspiracy theory. Remember that? But we're going to get into this story and show you how this is an absolute manipulation from top to bottom. And we've been talking about this, which doesn't mean that it's not actually real things happening. That should be made very apparent by things like 9-11 or past events that were obviously real, but nonetheless all very clearly shown to be psychological operations, manipulations at the very least. Now we're going to go through quite a bit today in, in this regard, but I'm going to do my best to make this as 
short as possible just because of the other show and everything else involved in there. But please get it out for me right now and share that information out. But as you can see today, we're going to be going through a couple of really important things in regard to, as we discussed in the title there, the, the orth window breaking, as I put it. Like we can see the things are shifting, but it's almost like the main corporate media are almost like a little confused about where these things are supposed to be going. As I keep talking about saying the quiet part out loud, that's what we're seeing right now. Just wearing their extremism on their sleeve. And I I don't think they realize how that looks because they're like, again, we've broken this Overton window now. It's like, it's very interesting to watch how that works. I mean, it's more like, it's more of an analogy. That is never something it, it, it evolves shrinks and grows. It, so for those who don't know, it's basically the realm of acceptable thought or, or discussion, right? So if it falls within the Overton window, it's kind of like what we're allowed to discuss in the core mainstream world, right? There's things like, I don't know, the whether Israel's committing more crimes that are supposed well, to, for a while, that was really outside the window. When clearly it's not anymore. When Bethlehem and Human Rights Watch and every human rights organization has called them an apartheid state that's committing war crimes, and they just call them racist, <laughs> which is pathetic. The point is that these things shift and change based on how the society works, but we've realized governments have been abusing that window and changing that on their own, using propaganda, social engineering to drive it the way they want. I think sort of how Corbett and I have talked about YouTube breaking themselves to censor us, change, you know, breaking their own algorithm so it's confused about what it's supposed to be censoring, and same kind of thing today. I think they've kind of broken this whole situation in an effort to rush this through as fast as possible. It's really interesting. But we're going to get into all of that in regard to the changing there and how I talked about the mask being pulled off. And I think we're really seeing that right now. The, you know, I was going to say who the real villains are, but of course, this doesn't mean that these people around the world that we're discussing alter- in like Russia or whoever else are equally concerning, as I've made clear every single time we talk about this. I am counter to any government control over people. And that's that's a that's a minority opinion today. I just but I need that to be clear to people. All we just and just because we're revealing that the US government is very obviously lying to you and very obviously manipulating this whole situation, that does not by default then mean I'm taking the other side. When there's always always more than just two sides. And on top of that that I'm not saying one good bad, got to get past these childish kindergarten level mindsets. It's just about truth and what we can prove. So getting into that, make sure you understand that the dynamic here is about exposing to you who the real players are in all of this. And on top of that, as we go through the whole show today in this part of it, make sure you're thinking, take time to try to pick out where this connects to the Great Reset. Because it's it's very old, it's on the surface. I made a point to do this today. Every single angle in this seems to end up leading in the direction of the Great Reset. And guess what? what's doing that? The U.S. government and, and Russia? fighting back and forth and Russia taking action that we're supposed to, I guess, be backwardly like supporting because we're saying U.S. bad guy or however they want to frame that. Except it's all about the Great Reset stuff. Food supply problems. Uh, Censoring free speech. I mean, you'll see as we go through this. So think Great Reset as we go through it. I'm not suggesting that that is absolutely what it's all about. But I'm really considering, as I said from the beginning, whether there's some level of coordination to this that just happens to be advantageous for the agenda that they're all seemingly involved in, whether or not there is real, and there clearly is, animosity and back and forth happening here. Now, what we started with there is an important clip, very important. Richard Boyd Barrett, and we played him before. You, you probably remember the previous clip that I'll play, I'll actually play right now in regard to Israel. You remember, this is an Irish member of parliament who has been speaking out about this stuff for a long time. 
proving what he's saying, as always. And all he's doing is standing up and pointing out what a child could see right now. You are being inconsistent. It's not standards if you only apply it to one side, right? He says if, if you're going to have moral standards, those standards have to be consistent. Otherwise, they're not standards at all. We all see that. You don't get to just claim you're doing murder for freedom. Therefore, it's not seen through the same lens. It's just crazy how childish we're being about this whole thing. And I actually believe it's probably not everybody. I think they're just really desperate to push this in. The fervor is so constant right now that a lot of people, even myself, kind of get pulled into how it seems like everyone's taking the bait. And how do we prove that? Look at Colbin. Most people don't trust these people. Even Republicans and Democrats are questioning their own media side within the paradigm. Hopefully, eventually, that pushes them to realize that it's a false paradigm. But this is him standing up and telling you that you're being hypocritical. You're hurting people. We know you're not actually defenders of democracy. It's This is pathetic. And you want to see what he said before? This is interesting about, and we've played this before in regard to specifically Israel in 2015. But what he reads here is, is stated verifiable doc, uh, statements from members of parliament or members of government in Israel. You can verify these for yourself. Now, what the point is, these are not things that you would hear from the, the corporate media. In fact, they would argue it's fake news right up until you proved it. The defense minister, Moshe Yalom, uh, talking just a couple of weeks ago, Israel is going to hurt Lebanese civilians to include kids of the family. We went through a very long discussion. We did it then. We did it in the Gaza Strip. We are going to do it in any round of hostilities in the future. That's the defense minister. Uh, this is the uh, uh, military chief of staff, Benny Gantz. The next round of violence will be worse and see this suffering increase. He headed up the military assaults uh, on Gaza, the last uh, two. Now, putting aside for the moment how no matter how you spin that, no matter how you frame it, it's illegal occupation. Therefore, they have a right to armed rebellion. That is in the Geneva Conventions and the UN. It's obvious. Which means, regardless of who struck first, the Palestinians are occupied. Everybody maintains that from the UN, other than the US government in Israel. And then there are lackeys around them. The bottom line is, the UN body continues, and has always continued to say that this is an occupied territory. Not to get too far off on the point here, but simply the reality being that when they say these statements, that's them saying, as we've proven to you, we're going to target children. We're going to, I mean, there's been generals on the record that told snipers and then admitted that we told them to aim for the children. We have the video of the snipers shooting children and cheering about it. All of this is so easy to prove. They just don't point at it. Then they support these people. And does that sound like what good guys do? Now, again, by saying that does not then by default mean that I think Russia a good guy. That's what children would think. I'm only talking about what I'm pointing at. To assume, I mean, what you wink, wink, nudge, nudge think I'm probably saying there is stupid. That's what that's how they train people to think today. But think about how obvious that is. And you please, if you don't if you doubt this, look them up. It's not hard to find. This is the Minister for Education in the Netanyahu government. There will never be a peace plan with the Palestinians. I will do everything in my power to make sure they never get a state. He also said, if you catch terrorists, you simply have to kill them. I've killed a lot of Arabs in my life. And there's no problem with that. Uh, this is the Minister for Justice. Palestinians are all enemy combatants. This also includes the, mother, the mothers of the martyrs, 
They should follow their sons. Nothing would be more just. They should go, as should the physical homes in which they are, which they raised the snakes. Which is exactly what they continue to do. Continue to forcefully displace people for the thir- third, fourth time, and then make them pay to demolish their own homes. Not making that up. It's easy to look up. You didn't know that? Ask yourself how that's possible, right? He is literally telling you what they're saying. This is what they openly state. And your media regularly chooses to misrepresent that, just like they do with what Putin says, or anybody else for that matter. They will clip out the one thing and make it look like he said that because they want to frame it a certain way. That is absolutely dishonest. There's no way around that. Just because they want to lie for what they think is their truth, they're still lying. Martyrs, they should follow their... And the point is that mo- the mothers, the, you know, the idea of going after the families that aren't involved. I mean, this is this is see, what Trump even said out loud in regard to the people over there, right? But it's exactly what they're actively doing in Palestine and elsewhere for that matter. Syria, this, this is not... A, I mean, look, look at what happened to Iraq. You want to look at some real disgusting war crimes? Dig, listen to what the, what the veterans tell you they were ordered to do. The physical homes in which they are which they raised the snakes. Otherwise, more little snakes will be raised there. That's the Israeli Minister for Justice in the last few months. The Israeli Minister for, uh, Deputy Minister for Defense. Palestinians are beasts. They are not human. Uh, The Minister for Foreign Affairs, C.P. Hotley, this is the last one. My position is that between the sea and the Jordan River, There needs to be one state only, the state of Israel. There is no place for any agreement of any kind that discusses the concession of Israeli sovereignty over lands conquered in 1967. Now, these are the official statements of several ministers of the current government of Israel. In one case, actually advocating genocide of all Palestinians, including children, and calling them snakes. Now, can I ask you, Taoiseach, uh, Do you not think that if we're defining terrorism, that is the language and thinking of terrorists? Exactly. That it is absolutely unacceptable. And it doesn't matter how you frame it. Are we going to pretend that if there was Muslims in in the Middle East saying exactly that, that that they wouldn't frame it as terrorism? Sort of how when, I mean, just you can frame it in any context you want, any situation and anything they've ever done, and you'll see the same dynamic. How what they do around Russia is totally acceptable. And even though it's wildly provocative or their whole obvious wars of aggression that destroy entire countries over and over and over and over in a way worse fashion than we're seeing right now, totally okay. But this one, off the table. And we're going to literally just destroy everything Russian and pull people out and attack Russian civilians left and right with their own jobs and with their... I mean, it's just crazy what's happening. This is the Red Scare all over again. In civilized politics, in civilized international relations, for the heads of government of a state that we carry on normal relations with and who you met in Paris to advocate those sort of views when we know they have also led on to the deaths of thousands of Palestinians, uh, innocent men, women and children. What have you to say, Taoiseach, about those sort of views being expressed by the Israeli government? When we know they have also... He had nothing to say. This guy doesn't care. This guy... who should knows what he's saying. Look at that face. This guy knows what he's saying. Why? Because he just read it to him. Because he proved it to him. Because he's already sent this to his office. Because they all know this and they don't care. Those two don't care. 
because their job depends on them not caring. You see how that works? Yeah, somebody mentions at Madeleine Albright, right? 500,000 children. Yeah, we thought it was worth it. Definitely worth it, right? Let's see. Here we go. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. Yep. Cool. So they're, they're, it's worth it to them to allow 500,000 children to die so they can achieve their goal. Even then, there was a little, little more honesty squeaking out because they thought they could get away with it. They'll never say that now. They won't even admit that they're starving an entire country in Yemen or actively starving people in, in, in Iran and about to starve people in this whole situation here. It's what they do. They're sanctioned starved people. It's, it's what they aim for. This is important because it's a, it shows the continuity of people like this person scream can you not tell i mean just watch the beginning of this again look at how this guy look see the first clip or the, the the older one of him talking about israel and watch the beginning of this watch how angry he is and he has a right to be because he's been screaming about this for decades saying it was intolerable the toggery and the warmongering and the brutality of putin you wouldn't stand for it. urgent action had to be taken but we've got to be much more careful the Palestinians, you can see he is upset and he has a right to be because he is probably losing faith in the people he thought might have been on his side. I mean, who knows? Either way, it's disgusting because he's right. Now, before we go forward, guess what else is happening? Oh, look at that. All of a sudden, the Islamic State's back in play. Islamic State group claims a, a bombing in a mosque in Pakistan. Where have they been for three years? It's like they were patiently waiting until COVID was over. Good for them. How kind of them to, to make an agreement with the U.S. government to be like, are you ready for us to start again? Okay, we'll start now. Right? I mean, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. It's either that, in my opinion, or they just didn't care about it until suddenly it was advantageous for them to point at it again. I'm not suggesting that every single thing anywhere in the world that happens in regard to people in these groups is all orchestrated. It certainly could be. But don't forget how obviously the Islamic State ties directly back to the beginning of this in the Mujahideen, we have Afghanistan with the U.S. government, and from that to to uh, to Al Qaeda, from that to ISIS. And this Ben Swan's documentary makes this undeniably clear. And from within that whole process, we can prove how they continue to shuttle them around, arm them, fund them. McCain would meet with them, shake hands, and give them arms, just like with Ukraine, because they're freedom fighters. Until we find out they're terrorists, it's so clear who these people are. We're not allowed to say that, though, an American to admit the reality about who these disgusting people are. No, in fact, that's literally, it's, it's, it's fundamentally American to call out the illusions and lies of your government. That's what this country is founded on. Not to be meek and passively go along with whatever they tell you you're supposed to think. <laughs> that's obviously not the founding ideas of this country. But hey, there, Islamic State, back in the mix, apparently, because we're back on the foreign policy tip now. Go ahead. Go ahead and get that moving again. Oh, guess what? North Korea fires a projectile. Oh, my God. Where was that? Oh, three. Thanks, Kim Jong-un, for being patient until we were ready to point at you again. You ready to raise your hand? Okay, go, Kim. Your turn. Okay, next. Agreement to restore Iran nuclear deal expected within days. Now, this has been building. Robertson writing about this. 
But what's interesting to me is how this kind of turned. Like this has been going, but it seems that the U.S. and everybody else has been really kind of messing this up intentionally, as we know. But my, I almost wonder whether or not now this is happening because it's going to be used as an excuse to push in more action. Israel's going to freak out about this like they always do. They're going to put, they're probably going to create action, create things and use the nuclear threat. And this is going to blow out a, this is going to end up becoming something much larger. Even though the deal itself is actually the exact, was, it's the opposite of what they'll frame it as. Just a thought. This, this is what we should be hoping for, but it's not going to be the way it goes because Israel will not allow that. And the U.S. government will happily follow suit. Now, going to an article Robert wrote today, which I think is really important. Western hypocrisy over the Ukraine-Russia war. Now, I actually uh, grabbed this picture from this article here. I'll get into this in a second. I didn't, well, I didn't grab it. I took the idea from it because they had it like this. But what this is showing is that kindergarten, which I'm, I'm going to show you right now, is in the Donbass region. So fake news right out of the gate of this whole thing, but paralleled to Palestine. Right. So here's a child in front of their home that was destroyed by Israel that nobody cared about. And everybody said we were they were terrorists and we were lying. And here is a fake news story or rather a story that was manipulated about a kindergarten and only care about one of them. That's that's what's going on right now. Right. So read this article because it's very obvious the Western hypocrisy is off the charts right now. Talking about free speech and censorship, other like you're censoring everybody as they censor RT and Sputnik and everybody else. Why? Because those are bad guy channels, and they're censoring good guy channels. Oh, I see. So an subjective perspective is all that matters, right? How stupid is that? They're all they're both state controlled media. None of them should be censored. That's the point, right? They don't send this. It's all about framing it how they're doing good and they're doing bad. It's as simple as that. But they get into he gets into a lot of stuff about the, the racist idea about this, right? The idea that these are people who are literally framing all of these people as one thing. There's no other word for that other than racist. You're telling us that all Russians one thing, all Chinese, all Iranians, even though they actively give lip service to, you know, we're doing this for the Russian people, and then they literally target the Russian people. I'm gonna said that one. No, I'll come back. I was going to try to jump ahead real quick, but the point being that there are stuff we're going to get into today about, you know, like we talked about them shutting all the Ikea stores in Russia that, that put 15,000 average people out of work. Is that bad guy, Russia government? No, that's bad guy, Russia civilians. That's sanctions, hurting civilians. That's actions, hurting civilians. That's average Russian people being kicked out of sports games because they're Russian. That has nothing to do with the government. That's disgusting, childish, subjective action just to be able to wave your hands and go, I'm on your side. Look at me, social justice war. Look at me, virtue signal. That's what that is. And, and they're being pra- praised for it. Just like the, the people that were mindlessly wearing cloth masks were praised, even as they were hurting themselves. And they admit they pretend, they pretend now that they always knew. Now, going forward, I, I was going to make a couple more points. I'm forgetting, but I just make sure you read this. It's a great article. The war criminals are condemning war. Condoleezza Rice, which he points out right here, which we'll show you next, is really embarrassing. But before we get to that, it's important to understand not just what Putin has been saying about this, but what plenty of other independent people 
like Patrick Lancaster on the ground, which I'll show you again in the morning, but Ava Bartlett, plenty of other people that have independently done their own due diligence on this, who aren't Russian shills, who are just independent, yet because they say the opposite of the mainstream narrative, they're therefore Russian shills, just how they claim I am today, even though like yesterday I was a Syrian shill, before that I guess I was a COVID shill, I don't even know what they're calling, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Today I'm whatever they want you to be. But it says since 2014, you know, the illegal regime change coup carried out by the U.S. government, it's easy to prove that on the record was verifiable that they knew that it was not, it was U.S. backed people that in fact carried out the shootings. Remove these real quick. I want to, I forgot to include that last time, but I wanted to make sure that we included that again for you guys to see. Uh, what was that called? Shoot, I don't think I have it uh, right up top. If I do, okay, there it is. Good. I got to put this in there for you because this is such an important video. And I want to give another shout out to Storm Clouds Gathering because he's actively doing work in his telegram that I actually looked at today. So he's still doing some good stuff. But let me just jump to this point again for people that haven't seen it. The European and American public are being systematically lied to. The reason the U.S. That's the official. Extremist groups is an organization called Svoboda, with Nazis in Ukraine, and none of the. Where were we? Right here. In their favor, that same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call Oop. in the U.S. State Department, and none of this was a secret. The BBC was already reporting on the danger that Svoboda's rise posed back in 2012, and the EU passed a resolution that same year condemning Svoboda as quote racist, anti-Semitic, and xenophobic. Just wait until we get to the part where Israel is funding these people and their own people called them out for funding neo-Nazis. <laughs> Oops, that's not supposed to be that way that works, right? They're the ones fighting the Nazis. No, no, they're arming them too, just like the U.S. government. Even though I shouldn't, that's using their terminology, the white supremacist, neo-Nazi, whatever you want to call them. Because I do believe the term Nazi is not appropriate. Because other than people that are in fact, you know, calling themselves Nazis as part of the Nazi party. I mean, that's, it's just, we got to be accurate here. Yet somehow the U.S. government thought it was appropriate to back these extremists. This is a picture of Victoria Nuland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Nuland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call I didn't go far enough. Hold on. For many years, what had been called the extremist groups were ominous. And protesters. It's disturbing it that much feeling uh, from both sides told that. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. it was right in the beginning. That's frustrating. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. And covered it up. Yeah. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, the people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. That. So that, um, 
and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same same handwriting, the same type of bullets, and it's really disturbing that now the new uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened, so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were. It was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. Right. And she acknowledges that. Right. I mean, it, it's and then the clip he plays after that, which I won't play again, whereas where they're discussing openly who's going to get elected. Right. That's who we're going to elect. Right. Because democracy. Right. As we choose this behind the scenes. That's not democracy. That's authoritarianism. That is puppets. Right. It's crazy. As somebody points out in the chat, there's people like that. There's uh, groups. Uh, where was it? The like Sony PlayStation group blocking payments from specifically Russia. Like, how does that affect the government? As the person says, people paying for these subscriptions and then just arbitrarily getting the yank. That's he's right. That's illegal. They already paid for this. You can't just yank that out because they're Russian. But you see, just like with the COVID mania, framing anybody anywhere who disagrees as some kind of Nazi is going to be allowed by this broken Overton window because these people are ridiculous. So they're going to be okay with it. You can attack the Russians in the street because they're bad people, even though they don't say it. Right. Until it finally it pulls back a little bit and then they can discuss it again and call us racist for this and that. Right. It's just plainly ridiculous. His point here is that he's saying 13,000 to 14,000 people have been killed in Donbass. And this is what's been reported and confirmed by plenty of people that this has been ongoing and it's been ethnic cleansing. And it's not even a secret because, we're, again, remember, we're talking about an openly neo-Nazi government that is stating these things on the record. I've proven this to you many times in these past shows. And I'll briefly show you a couple points again today. I include the old shows we get into and a great article from Whitney, uh, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda, and my discussion of it in general that goes over how the CIA built the new Al-Qaeda in Ukraine. It's documentable, guys. Very clear. So they're funding and arming the very people they're going to claim are the problem, just like you did in Syria, just like anywhere else. And these are the people that are pointing before we got here and saying those people were going to kill. Now, are they fighting back? I guarantee it. Are they fighting first? Probably when they know this is about to happen. Either way you look at it, these people are being hurt. Now, does that mean that Putin's a good guy? And everything? No, I don't know is the point. I don't, I, you show me evidence for something and we'll talk about it. The bottom line is this case in this scenario, we know as a matter of fact, these people are being ethnically cleansed because those people on the other side are saying they're going to do that. And then over the, all of that, we have people, the Russian separatists, that just want to be alone. They want to secure independence. Now, whether or not that means they eventually end up with Russia is irrelevant. The point is that Ukraine and the, U- the puppets that could, or the governments that control them are trying to pull them back in because they don't want them to be on Russia. That's not anything other than control. Why is it okay for Taiwan to want independence, but not the Donbass region? Because they, you don't benefit from it. That's all it is. Pretending you care about moral things because it works for your agenda. The Russian leader believes what is particularly intolerable is the so-called civilized West has preferred not to notice this for eight years. Now I'll show you some more stuff on, on Patrick Lancaster's, and I'll show you what I mean by evidence. You could argue that he's faking that or minute, but you don't get the same thing on the other side. In fact, I'm going to also show you clips of mainstream pundits that are telling you that the Ukraine stuff is being shown constantly to be false because it is. And you're, and you're not, I'm not seeing it on the other side. I'm looking. It says, quote, moreover, the authorities in Kiev began to say outright lightly that they are not going to implement these agreements in regard to the Minsk agreements. Minsk agreements. So what my point is, he's, he's at least saying 
And it's my point about you not getting the other side of the narrative here. You guys are well aware of what the U.S. government is saying. They're screaming it in every outpost and outlet and app and social media platform and channel everywhere in the world. You can't get away from it. And you know, Russia a bad guy. So when we're going to go over a lot of stuff from RT and, and, and TASK today, recognize that we're just trying to show you the other, what the other perspective is. It does not mean you should trust it. You should not be looking at this and going, That's, we should trust what they say because, you know, whatever reason. We should be questioning this or Putin or mainstream on any side or corporate media on any side, no matter what the circumstance, because that's what intelligent people do. Nonetheless, what he's saying is that they are openly saying, by the way, that they're going to violate these agreements. They have been saying so all along on TV and the internet. And by the way, you can find that. They stay in public. Quote, we don't like it. We won't do it. Just like you'll find Saudi Arabia saying stuff about Yemen, or just like you'll find Israel saying stuff about Palestine that we just showed you. And then they frame it as something else. Right? Right? Like Israel saying, we will never allow a two-state solution because they're terrible people. These are, they're beasts. And then the media says, you're racist for suggesting they said that because they didn't. But we just showed you the video where they said that, right? Not not in this show. I mean, like, I play videos where they say these things. Or that Netanyahu will stand up and say, in response to someone who asks whether this is a state for everybody, he goes, no, it's for the, this is a Jew, state for the Jewish people alone. He said that verbatim. So is that, that's literally supremacist. That's racist. You're saying, you're not, we don't allow anybody else. You're, not, uh, you're a lesser than citizen if you are in this country and you're not a Jewish person. If that was said about Christianity, people would lose their minds. Why is it different? You want to frame it as anti-Semitic, it's simply objective. And the point is that the government using that mentality commits war crimes. And that's all I'm pointing at. So my point is when they're up here saying this, we're not going to do it. We don't agree with this. And the mainstream corporate media and the U.S. government says that only Russia is the one not going along with it. They're giving you part of the story. And, the, and by the way, I can also prove to you that Russia has been, in fact, going along with this in, in many different ways. In the meantime, Russia continued to be accused of failing to implement the agreements. Exactly. So this is like the Palestinians refusing to agree to the two-state solution or the deal of the century because it's a joke and because it's obvious that they're already not holding withhold, just like they're not. The Donbass or the Ukrainian government side are not upholding what they're doing. In fact, they're screaming that we're not even going to care about this. We don't want to do this. And then when the Palestinians don't go along with it, they frame them as being the problem. Right or in Saudi Arabia and Yemen situation, when Saudi Arabia and 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 the, and the Houthis declare a ceasefire, this point will be relevant in a moment. And the Houthis pull back like they have verifiably and confirmed by the UN like three times in a row. Guess what happens every single time? Saudi Arabia pushes in, takes more land. But wait a minute, there was supposed to be a ceasefire. They just didn't care. They broke the rules. They took advantage. Then for the fourth time, when finally the Houthis don't fall for it, they go, oh, look at the Houthis breaking ceasefire. They're not, they're not following the rules. And the media follows suit, even though they didn't point out Saudi Arabia doing it four times in a row. There's, this is obvious stuff. He says, Putin says, but that's nonsense. It's absurd. They argue that white is black and the black is white. We all see this, guys, regardless of whether you think Putin is lying and he's a villain. We see that the U.S. government and a Western media doing that right now about COVID and masks and vaccines, whatever else, and foreign policy. They're not good people. They're not, they're, they're not virtuous invaders. They're doing the same thing in a much more flagrant and violent fashion. So if you think Putin's a bad guy, so too are they. Now here is an article saying, Ukraine, Western hypocrisy is, and inaction is, and expo is exposed. 
This is from February 25th. Now, what's funny to me, the article I don't even like. I wanted to share this link here to show, or the, the point to show you where this was, because we were talking about this kindergarten, because this gets into, like, I guess the hypocrisy. It's weird the way they frame this. Read this first part. It says, Since the US and its allies, including Australia, invaded impoverished countries like Afghanistan and Iraq, which, by the way, are obvious war crimes because they're sovereign countries, like we'll point out Condoleezza Rice saying, and continue to bomb and kill defenseless people in their war on terror in Muslim countries. Okay, so they've clearly stated this as they're doing bad things. Then it goes on to say, their inaction in standing up to Russia's dictators' adventurism in Ukraine is striking. So you want them to go in? I mean, you you didn't, that's not even, that's the same sentence. The first part of that sentence is going, the people that did all these terrible things and murdered people and invaded this country and are still killing them are failing to do it now. Terrible. <laughs> like, I can't even wrap my mind around that sentence. That's crazy. They're in action. So what, you want them to do that? I don't, I, I'm so confused by that. Regardless, the point is their hypocrisy in this article's case, or the way they frame it is that they're not going into Ukraine. <laughs> it's crazy. That's, it, it, I guess that would be kind of seen as hypocrisy because they did it everywhere else. I, it's weird. But the point is, as we told you before, we already did this on a map and showed you, it says the kindergarten they're comparing here. Well, it says on the left, a woman stands among debris after the reported shelling of a kindergarten. And we, we showed you this. This is the, the art, the show we did about the fake false flag. And then the, on the right, a Palestinian boy next to the remains of his home in Gaza. Why is, why is one not matter and the other exponentially more? Regardless of whether one is far more visual and verifiable and the other is questionable. Because one is an agenda and a narrative and a push, and the other we're not supposed to point at. It's hypocrisy. But my point is, guess where it says this is? Because this is what we already showed you. Lukanska. Now, here's where we, look, we looked this up before. We already did this before, by the way. Just to make this quick point, where is that located? Luhansk. In Donbass. Right. Okay. So this is a kindergarten, which again, we did this on this map right here on the last show we did. But for those that didn't see it, this was a discussion about a kindergarten that they claimed was bombed by the Donbass region in Ukraine. Right. How can that be possible if it's in the Donbass region? <laughs> Oops. As always, it doesn't matter because we're 45 deceptions away from this now. So we, oh yeah, they'll reference the school being bombed like they referenced the chemical attacks in Syria for the rest of their lives, even though it doesn't even matter because it was, you see what I mean? This is how this always works. So what really seems to have happened is that the Ukrainian government bombed a school in Donbass region and then just claim that's what a false flag looks like. <laughs> exactly. Not the other way. So you begin to see what the narrative continues to show. Now, you shouldn't be trusting any government's narrative, but when you keep seeing things lean in one direction, it's just choice to not begin to think a certain way or consider at the very least. Now, here is an interesting article entitled, The Ukraine Invasion is Nothing Compared to Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan or on and on and on. And this is the important thing to think about. Let's, you know, let's just pretend that everything you're hearing about what's happening in Russia or in Ukraine is, is, is accurate. And it's not. I can promise you that. I, pr I prove you that. Prove to you that. But even if that's true, the point he's making here, and that anybody honest should be able to say, is that it's absolutely nothing pales in comparison to what your government in the U.S. has done repeatedly without justification, legitimate justification, over and over and over, and has no consequences for. In fact, in one case, has gone after anyone who pointed out their crimes. WikiLeaks, Assange, Manning, everyone. 
Reality Winner, all of them. They're arresting everybody, and not a single person has been arrested for things that they admitted were crimes. Why can't we see this? It says, of the war in Ukraine, New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, and you know, we've talked about him before. (laughs) He's a real class act. He writes, quote, our world is not going to be the same again because the war has no, this war has no historical parallel. This is, this, this is the equivalent in my mind of calling January 6th, 9-11. Is this not insulting to some of these, the real world wars? I mean, no historical parallel. Are you pretending that no country's ever individually invaded a bordering country? <laughs> or one around the other side of the world? Pretty sure the U.S. has done that countless times. But no historical parallel! Unprecedented! Literally Hitler! This is our corporate media today. These people are clowns. And I don't even think they realize it anymore. It says, in the very next sentence, he describes the Russian invasion of Ukraine as, and by the way, somebody, we're talking about this in the the Discord, and it's a a valid point to point out. Even I am like wanting to push back on, because look, when you say Russian invasion, it doesn't seem to capture the full context of what's actually happening. Even though invasion is, is just a word and it has meaning, and that's exactly what did happen. But invasion doesn't imply right or wrong or fault manipulation or previous. Act. It just simply means that you in, you invaded the country. You drove in. You could have been justified in doing it. You could have been driven to take action, right? But it's interesting that I almost am wanting to like, no, that's not accurate, but it is. Sort of like how the word sustainable has become like a naughty word for people that see what they're doing with it. But it doesn't mean sustainability is bad. That in and of itself is almost a manipulation, right? They want you to go away from that. My point here. Is that that is what happened? Even if you think Russia is justified in doing so, it is clearly an invasion. Just make sure there's a lot of this stuff going on today. But as it says, he describes the Russian invasion of Ukraine as quote a raw 18th century style land grab by a superpower, thereby acknowledging that the episode actually has innumerable historical parallels. Right? This is how stupid these people are. Just not one. Just not the ones that Friedman cares to acknowledge as legitimate. Right, so the point is that he's no historical parallel, but then literally goes on to compare it to other things in history. <laughs> it's like, yeah, these this I don't think these people are even aware of their stupidity anymore. I, I don't even when I say I don't even mean like necessarily like, you know, education stupidity. It's it's like just awareness. So it's like street smart stupid. They they are being constantly led by the nose by people that they think they're you know they're the ones controlling. It's really crazy. But the point is. A land grab by a superpower? I mean, one, he's overtly saying that's not what he's doing, and this has barely begun, and he's claiming he's not going to take Ukraine. We'll see what happens. But my point is, it's obvious that we see that happening all over the place. Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, the Golan Heights, parts of Yemen. I mean, this is happening everywhere. And they're they're not just trying to push in policy. They're pushing in, they're occupying, and they're not going anywhere. The U.S. is still occupying oil fields and wheat fields in Syria and all Tomf with their own little concentration camp there. This is and that's that's a real term for what exactly what it is. How it's a yet he has no ability to look at that. It's only this one. And even though it's not even similar, it, it doesn't appear to be the same. I'm not saying it's not based on what we're seeing in the he's been in the narrative he's been showing. You have to wait and see how this plays out. But you see, my point is, regardless of how it looks and what he says, they, wink, wink, know, because we know Putin. We know. No, you don't. You know what you're told to think. 
It says Friedman figures prominently among those claiming to have divined the essential character of the present age. And here's the most important part. His key finding? A tech-driven globalization. Oh, weird. Don't miss the parallel, guys, how this is clearly still driving in the same direction. That's one of the first ones. This is the Great Reset, and it's being rationalized by the very war they're playing out in front of you. And these journalists are towing that line. He's finding tech-driven globalization has rendered old-fashioned power politics obsolete. The rules of the game have changed irrevocably. Practically speaking, nations have no choice but to submit. This is what he's saying, He, the other guy is saying, Friedman. In best-selling books, he describes our collective future. Collectivism, that's what they're doing, guys. That, this, they, all these people in the, in the, in the, the Western press and the sec, this, uh, Silicon Valley, they are all on this. They have decided that this is the future. In Friedman's, quote, hot, flat, and crowded world governed by tech-driven globalization, superpower land grabs should have no place. The United States would enjoy unchallenged preeminence. The point being that we're creating a situation where that's the, cert, that's the status quo, and going forward, nobody else can challenge that. As he points out, Vladimir Putin has somehow not received the memo. But he goes, Putin has acted in accordance with geopolitical imperatives that predate the modern era. This goes back to things like the NATO discussion, Gorbachev and Reagan, and how we, there were, they have pretended that things are just not the same anymore was simultaneously pretending that deal never really existed, even though it's on paper and you can prove it. But it's, he's, as he says, nation states compete against one another to advance their own interest. If you don't realize that, you're being naive. This is not about virtuous arguments for freedom and for liberty. And yeah, we care about that stuff. They care about using those things in so far as they get us to go along with what they want. They don't care about you. And I'm so tired of having people to have to force that to be, for people to believe that. The reality of this is that they have always been competing. They've always been playing games, carrying out drills that are, are really, you know, military movements under, under the guise of drills, you know, carrying out weapons exercises under the, under the sky, or excuse me, threats under the guise of weapons exercises, right? This stuff has been nonstop or pushing into thing under countries under the guise of freedom or whatever else to occupy resources that'll help me. Look, how about Syria? Regardless of the fact that he was invited there, can we not point out that there's obvious geostrategic benefits from, from Russia being in Syria? Of course there are. But you could argue that he played the hell out of the game and way better than the U.S. and got invited to take it up. You know what I mean? That's how you have to look at that. Or he did it because he's doing it for the right reasons. That's, you have to consider that with the way it ended. We're, it's still happening. And not once have I seen anything happen in that regard that was not Russia standing up for Assad and the government and the sovereignty of the country in the face of overt occupation and war crimes. Now, would you argue? I mean, I, I, I can always play semantics all day long, and I shouldn't even do that. I'm so tired. It's obvious what happened there. It was done, despite that, it was in his best interest to play that role. So you could argue he just did it and played the good guy because it was obviously beneficial to play that counterbalance to the obvious bad actions the U.S. government was waving around the world and screaming freedom. And even if that's the case, he still did good, didn't he? Right? You can't even say that today. Like, it's just so frustrating. What ultimately happened there has been debunked and, de- and destroyed thousand times over. If you don't understand by now that your government, just like we played for you in the Ukraine clip, allowed people to be shot, in fact, pushed it to happen, blamed Assad, even though it was provably not him involved, 
then in fact faked chemical weapons attacks to be able to use it against him, unleash terrorism in this country. Now, within all of that, did Assad do bad things? It's war. I'm sure he did. But at the end of the day, who committed the absolute obvious war crimes and did so in such a wildly, flagrantly unjustified fashion? The U.S. government. But yeah, let's take their word for it now. Nation states have always competed against each other. The fact is different now. They're just trying to frame themselves as the only altruistic entity on the planet, which is so clearly not true. They've, they've, the frequently heard charge that Putin's invasion of Ukraine violates ostensibly sacred international norms holds no water. And I don't even know why to say that. You know, it's, it doesn't violate norms if it's the same exact thing the other countries have been doing this whole time. No such norm exists is the point. At least none that a great power will recognize as inhibiting its own freedom of action. Not Russia, not the United States. They don't care about these things if they feel it justified for their actions. For proof, we need look no further than the recent behavior of the United States, which has routinely demonstrated a willingness to write its own norms while employing violence on a scale far exceeding anything that Russia has done or is likely to do. That's his opinion, but I agree with that. And history is the indication, guys. Look at the last 20 years of policy. You could point back at the Soviet Union all day long, and I'll point at it with you. But what we're staring at now is quite a different situation. You could, you could pretend it's all secretly behind the scenes, but don't we need proof, evidence at the very least? There's a lot of allegations, let's say, about Assad and things he did. But when you barely scratch past the surface, you find out mostly, almost always, it stems back to something Pompeo said or something an anonymous official said or something they prove like that they can't fully verify. It's always like that. And I, I don't say always lightly. I've been studying this stuff. Now it says for proof, we look, uh, yeah, then it goes on to say nothing that Putin has done in Ukraine pursuant to securing what he defines as a, as virtual vital Russian interests should be cause for surprise. I mean, think about vital U S interests, like that national security interests. Are you, are we going to pretend that if the U S government decided it was in their national security interest to move into Mexico because of whatever reason that they wouldn't do it? That's literally the only thing they need based on their previous policy. So as Putin is saying, these are vital and it just doesn't matter. You see, it's hypocritical. And they're both wrong, is the point. Implicit in the shock expressed by observers such as Friedman is a belief that Europe has become an eternal zone of peace in which the triumph of liberal democracy has made the end of history a reality. Preserving the illusion, of course, requires imagination. It means classifying the bloody disintegration of Yugoslavia, let's say, in the 1990s as an anomaly. You know, forgotten as soon as the shooting stopped. But it also requires sustaining the pretense that Europe matters more than the rest of the world. That developments there possess greater significance than developments in, say, the Middle East or Africa. Exactly the point that Robert was making in his article. Right? And actually, as even makes the point, where was it? I think it was, if I can try to find it real quick, that people are on on, uh, mainstream today, essentially making the argument that it matters more that people are being hurt in essentially white countries. I'm not, I'm not seeing it real quick. I was just going to, I mean, you can read the article for yourself. It's unbelievable. But the the bottom line is, dang it. I wanted to find it. Okay. It's not catching my eye, but the bottom line is that we're, 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 
watching these people stand up and declare that it matters more because they're more civilized as they frame it. Right. And what does that ultimately mean? Well, you know, those brown and black countries over there, they're the, they're the third world country. They're not as civilized. Well, Ukraine is not even remotely in that ballpark. And that's very clear and obvious, should you be honest with yourself, not only because of the openly neo-Nazi government, not only because of the obvious regime change, which means it's not even an actual sovereign nation at this point, or I mean, on and on and on. Plenty of reasons. But on top of that, regards, on top of that, the point that these people are simply saying that we're better, that our things matter more. And therefore, when it happens in a white country or in a civilized country, it just matters more to report on, to care about more. Like they're going, God forbid, it's never, we've never seen it this big. And it's only because it's in, that's what they say, in a civilized country. Good God. And on top of that, that's where I was going with that Ukraine. I forgot now. There was another point there. Regardless, going forward, the frequently heard charge that Putin's invasion of Ukraine violates ostensibly sacred international norms. Oh, I, I scrolled down. That's right. So the point was, ultimately, that these are, I mean, you could go far past Yugoslavia, especially in the U.S. history, and realize how many, like, just catastrophically violent wars we've seen. Based on nothing, like, for instance, look at the past of, of South America wars the U.S. government carried out for, for, implant, for, in, for protecting fruit companies. I mean, this is easy stuff to look up, and this, that, and this, they just change the narrative. They go from Department of War to Department of Defense. We have a makeup, right? I, uh, the the terrorist organization, we'll call them Hyatt Cheryl Sham, and we're, they're not Al Qaeda anymore. There's something different. Now they're freedom guys, right? Exactly like we're doing today. They're doing. It says observers such as Friedman to treat Russia's invasion of Ukraine as utterly beyond the pale, while such events as the Iran Iraq War of 1989 to 1988. And America's pre various post 9-11 military interventions are either forgotten or written off as unfortunate lapses in judgment, right? We're just going to ignore all of these things. I mean, like, like he points out there, what they did with, with Saddam Hussein, using him as a battering tool against Iran, and it was destructive and horrifying using chemical weapons that they gave him. This is easy to prove. But it's okay to kind of admit now because, well, Saddam is bad guy, right? But let's forget for that moment that that was bad guy being driven by U.S. government, that being armed by U.S. government, just like today. And then on a dime, he becomes the biggest boogeyman ever, sort of like Osama bin Laden was the warrior of peace, as the way the Washington Post called him. That's, that's a headline. Warrior of peace. U.S. government used him, funded him, threw him against the Soviet Union. Then he becomes the worst guy in the world. How much you want to bet? We're just about to get there here some, at some point. As crimes go, Putin's aggression pales in comparison with the human toll exacted by Saddam Hussein's U.S.-supported war of choice against Iran. As for the calamitous results of the U.S. invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, the impact of Russia's incursions into Ukraine rates as trivial by comparison. The point is not to measure relative in in iniquity in a balance, but simply to note that while the ongoing events in Ukraine may be tragic, they're not at all unusual. The professed surprise of pundits and politicians stems either from wishful thinking or willful ignorance. Exactly what I've been saying. The global triumph of democratic liberalism is a mirage. I agree. Or whatever political angle you want to frame it from. What may be most difficult for the beneficiaries of global U.S. hegemony is this. The American century has ended. And that may be an unpopular thing to talk about, but it's not because of Americans. It's because of the government that doesn't represent Americans anymore.
That's what, that's why they're driving you into the reimagining future. That's not supposed to be about countries anymore. It does not matter that you have different opinion. The point is the world conjured up by Thomas Friedman has not taken its place. Something else has. What Friedman ought to have written is this, quote, by invading Ukraine, Russia has demolished what little remained of the lucrative line of BS that I, but that Thomas Friedman has been peddling for the past 20 years or so. But don't count any such admission to be forthcoming. Really interesting article. Here is Al Jazeera making a similar argument. I don't think I had anything in this. Yeah, just... Simply pointing out, social media users are accusing the media of hypocrisy. I mean, it's all over the board, guys. People recognize how ridiculous this is. Even if they agree with what's going on, that they, that they should go in and stop Russia, they still recognize how flimsy the media apparatus has become. Not become, that they're just, it's very apparent these days. Double standards, quite obviously. Now, this is just going to make you laugh out loud. I mean, this is the kind of absurdity that they're putting out there, pretending like we don't recognize that this has already happened. The only difference is they pretend that they didn't invade a sovereign country. How can you even make that argument? You can't pretend that Iraq and Syria or any of these places weren't sovereign. They just pretend that they don't like how they're being ruled. Well, isn't that exactly what Putin is doing right now? <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't. It's just it's childish to pretend that they're not splitting hairs and playing semantics here. Listen to this. Done. Well, and I have argued that when you invade a sovereign nation, that is a war crime. <laughs> I mean, I think we're at, at, at just a real basic, basic point there. Well, I, 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 it is certainly against every principle of international law. And it- you know, what's funny is, what do you mean? I would argue. What a stupid thing to say. It's literally a documented war crime. <laughs> it's like, you know, I would argue if you think about it, right? It could possibly be. This is my point about these pundits. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're just actors. In most cases, the point is that this is a girl, a woman, Condoleezza Rice, who is 100% complicit in the illegal invasion of Iraq. International order. And that's why against every prince invade a sovereign nation, that is already done. Well, and I have argued that when you invade a sovereign nation, that is a war crime. <laughs> Duh. I mean, I think we're at, at, at just a real basic, basic point there. Well, I, I, I agree. it is certainly against every principle of international law and international order. And that's why throwing the book at them now in terms of economic sanctions and punishments is also a part of it. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe it's my memory again (laughs) on the Fox News website. Whatever. You got the point. (laughs) Good God. Yeah, it's 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 violates international. My point about the first part of it, if this is a journalist, you could have just looked it up. Real simple. You know, I think I would argue that it is a war crime. Yeah, it's actually a war crime. <laughs> Do your job. Look it up and actually have the documentation. Yep, yep, it's a war crime. You know, the point, that's why she goes, yep, it certainly is. It absolutely is a violation of, yes, exactly. I mean, with no sense of irony. You just happily say, yep, but so was Afghanistan. So was Iraq. So was Syria. So was every other country they've meddled in and manipulated. All of these things are absolutely war crimes. It's just pathetic. But I think they're just trying to play the game that they just aren't that. And if you say so, you're an American. That's what happens in the Iraq war. It's what's happening now. Now, as we said before, this is the kind of post-truth world that, don't forget, was one of the talking points in in Bilderberg 2018, the post-truth world. So, too, was Russia. I just got uh, sent a Truth Street Media clip today from 2018 talking about that. Truth Street Media always doing a great job. 
pointing out that they have laid these things out, the focus of Russia, all of this stuff. But anyway, as the U.S. State Department says, Russia's engaged in a full-on assault on the truth, throttling social media Russians rely on, as we do exactly the same, but frame it as a good thing, right? No, 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 we're censoring bad guy stuff. They're censoring good guy stuff. That's it. Subjective framing. No, 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 you're censoring the same things in the same way, exactly like they are. You're being a child. Now, interesting point about this is you could argue, and we'll get into it in a minute later in the show, about the new law that Putin passed, which is I disagree with from either side. I disagree with every side that's doing this, every one of them. Putin's government, I disagree with Biden's government. All of them are censoring, and they're all wrong. My point is you can understand where they're coming from, really from either side of this when you think about it, right? I'm not going to say it's justified, but the U.S. is censoring these platforms because they know they're giving the alternative perspective. They don't want people to see that. Putin is censoring the ones like Twitter and whatever else because he's claiming that they're using them to manipulate, and they are. Of course they are. That's what they do. This is why it's important to stand back and see it from this perspective so you're not going one guy or the other. You listen to any partisan media, it's going to be one guy or the other. No, you're wrong. Here, watch, let me tell you the truth about Ukraine. And you're not getting the truth about Ukraine. You're getting a partisan angle. This is the reality, the objective. And I'm not saying because I'm saying it, I'm not even giving you the, I'm not saying we know the full picture. That's the reality because we don't know everything. They're all censoring. And you want to see Paskey say it again because it's pretty stupid to watch them argue that <laughs> what they're doing is different than what U.S. government's doing? Um, the Kremlin right now is engaged in a full assault on media freedom and the truth. Let me give you some examples. Uh, today, independent media sites such as Echo Mosky Radio and TV Rain are off the air and threaten to block and uh, or they kick them off the air and they threaten to block online platforms such as VOA Russia. Uh, they have, uh, we've seen Russia prohibit Russian media from referring to what they are doing in Ukraine as, quote, a war or, quote, an invasion or, quote, an attack. They are banning their use of terms even, allowing media to use only government-sourced information to report on the war. Is that not literally what our government's doing? They just frame it differently. I mean, verbatim. Censoring words. I mean, look at the whole COVID thing. I mean, for crying out loud, they just came off a three or two and a half year push of just aggressively censoring literally anything that challenges the narrative, even though seconds later they were proven to be right. That's the same person you're staring at right there, stupidly arguing the uh, exactly the uh, and is, are they doing it over there too? Of course, I'm sure they are, and it's equally wrong. Right? That's the that's what makes the two partisan heads explode out there. Wait a minute, you can't. <laughs> you got to pick a side. They've called a special special session of the parliament to consider a bill to make unofficial reporting on Russia's further invasion punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Right. Sort of like we're talking about the bills you're trying to pass about misinformation, the Domestic Terrorism Act, about claiming misinformation is literally an, a, a crime or that this, this online safety bill in the UK doing the same thing. Jail time, fines if you do certain crimes. It's exactly the same thing. Just because you call it the online safety bill doesn't change it. And in fact, the difference is you're actually making it a law going forward. Well, I guess not difference is now that it appears to be what they just did. But prior to this or to that hadn't happened yet. So at this point, when they're saying this, it was still unjustified that it was even a lot. It was more obviously the point being one side doing more than the other. But now it seems that they are doing that. And again, the point is that they're all wrong, all of them for censoring. They've arrested more than 7,300 protesters, some immediately after they began to protest Putin's war of choice. Uh, the convoy 
January 6th. I mean, you name it. You go on that just because they want to scream and argue. It's the biggest thing. It's all narrative, guys. It's all narrative. What does it end up being? They arrested protesters in mass scale. It's amazing how you can frame it as everything a third world country would do, except we just call, we just say freedom after it. So therefore we're not anymore. Uh, they have uh, bo- they have blocked and shut down social media sites such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And they right exactly like you're doing right now. What about like WeChat and these Chinese ones that you already shut down? Right, they're claiming they're controlled by you because they are. So too are the ones you're pointing at for them. Right, you can't claim one's justified and one's not. This is just overwhelming hypocrisy. I mean, it's almost painful to watch. They've limited the amount of dollars citizens can take out of the country. What they are trying to do- Biden did that already too. Is block any information about what they are doing to invade a sovereign country. And they're taking se- uh, severe steps to do exactly that. Go ahead. Ugh, I can't even, she just reeks of dishonesty, right? I mean, look, are they, are they, taking, are they taking action to control what's being stated? Certainly. I mean, I guarantee every government does that. But if it was really about them controlling the narrative, why would they be censoring their side of the narrative? Wouldn't you want people to hear what they're arguing? Like if you're actually an objective reporter, (laughs) see, that's the point. It's not even remotely what's happening. You're upset they're doing the same thing you're doing. So just be honest about that. Stomp your feet and pout and say that they're doing what we don't want them to do. That's basically the argument. Then we have something I know you're going to want to see. I just, right there, I was just realizing I wanted, I'm, I guess I'll say it really quickly, but there was, that nah, doesn't matter. There was a point about something I did yesterday in the, in the show that I realized I made a big mistake about, I, I mixed up two people. And I'm sure you guys probably know what I'm talking about. There was somebody that, there's, there's a, a, a person out there who is a great researcher in COVID that I've referenced before. I thought that was who I looked at last night. It turns out it was one of these really stupid, ignorant people, whether or not he's scientifically literate, who is the last person I would, would point to because <laughs> he's really stupid. And, he's, and half the things he attacked me for have turned out to be correct that I've said in the past. Anyway, the point was that was uh, I was upset about that because that is not the person I thought it was. Anyway, this is funny because <laughs> you're looking at Zelensky right there. This is Zelensky. On his on his own news cha- news station, before all of this went down, take a look at this. That's him right there, by the way, with the mustache, and he and he ends up in high heels. That's him right there. There he is. There's your there's your leader of the free world, right? All right, that's enough. Just to make the reason we're doing this, guys, is because if you hadn't already known, heard this, and it's the truth, this guy was an actor. He is an actor. This guy has no political background. He's not a, a, a politician or a democrat or a diplomat or any of that. This guy is a is an actor. 
And this the the KB, KBAPTAM, whatever that is, 95. I forget what it stands for in, in English. It, this is the channel he owns. And I'll show you this next. Okay. The point of showing you this, and this is meant as a parody. It's not, it, it's meant to be funny. But the point is, this is a guy who was simply an actor. And by the way, played the president before he became the president. You know, you, you almost can't make this stuff up. Okay. The point is, Kavartal's 95 studio is a publicly held television entertainment production company operating in Ukraine since 2003. The studio, as well as the KVN team, was created by Zelensky. By the way, if you don't, the Zelensky, I always reminds me of Tommy Boy. That's why I said that the other day. You know, Zelensky was the, we make auto parts for the American man. It's just funny. It, it almost is an interesting correlation right there to me because it sounds like exactly the fake thing that he was in that movie. But it says he ran in the 2019 Ukrainian presidential election and was elected president of Ukraine. Just so we're clear, this is him. This is not some pair. That's actually him and he's really doing that as an actor because he was an actor and then he just became president. <laughs> okay. Not surprising because so did Trump and so did Reagan and there's, it's, and they always seed these things in your mind before they happen. But here's the most interesting part to me. Check this out. After Zelensky's inauguration, randomly becoming president of a regime change country, after being an actor, the most leading figures of his TV station that he owns, they joined in his administration as deputy heads of the presidential administration of Ukraine. <laughs> and one of them was appointed a deputy head of the Ukrainian Secret Service. A bunch of people that ran a TV station. Doesn't that sound very relevant? They're running a TV station, guys. They're running Wag the Dog right now. I'm not, this has to be relevant. The very people that he ran a TV studio with became his administration. An actor who is now the president brought up his TV studio's employees to run the country with him. That is an <laughs> That is them playing their roles. I just couldn't get past that. That's crazy to me. So now when we see this playing out, we need to ask this question. Are we being deceived? Especially thinking about like the a thousand different ways they've already been caught faking things, faking TV shows, faking news reports. Pretty interesting. Here's Caitlin Johnstone's newsletter on the part of the Overton window. The Overton window is being shoved toward warmongering extremism. Or maybe, it got, maybe it's broken. This says, in regard to Mr. Hannity here, Mr. One of the extremisms himself, a substitute teacher at an Arlington, Virginia middle school has just been suspended for teaching an insufficiently one-sided perspective on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. If you don't think this has already gone haywire, I mean, this is, they just literally transitioned the COVID-19 mania right into this. You're not even allowed to discuss in a school. Like, so you can't give, the point is that this is every, this is the world they're building. You can't have a different opinion in the free, democratic, objective, free speech world that we pretend we live in, right? No, none of those things are real if this is happening. If a teacher is giving a different perspective and they lose their job because of it, or a doctor comes out and says, well, I have a different opinion and they lose their practice, or a scientist comes out and says, I disagree, and they get fired, attacked. You don't live in a free society, guys. You need to realize that. These are, this is a controlled, they're driving this into the Great Reset. 
It says, apparently one of the students recorded the lesson, showed it to the parents, and they complained to the school. This happens while RT America shuts its doors following an astonishingly, astonishingly aggressive censorship campaign against Russia-backed media outlets throughout the Western world. All right, so it's okay for this whole side of the argument to be shut down, even as we know we're being lied to by these governments. All of them, including the U.S. government. The virulent post-9-11-like hysteria about Russia that has been prompted by one-sided mass media reporting on the war and by the five years of fact-free conspiracy mongering which preceded it has created an environment where you'll get shouted down on social media for voicing literally any opinion that's conflicting from saying Putin invaded because he is evil and hates freedom. Simple, it's always that childish and reduced, right? There's no, there's no reasoning. He's just a maniac. He's like Hitler. So it all makes sense. That's so intellectually dishonest. And you know what? It's probably not even, these people aren't even aware of it because I don't think they're that intellectual. These people aren't that bright. I say it all the time. I mean, look, either they're choosing to be dishonest or they're not smart enough to see it. It's only a couple ways you can put this. To, to simply argue Putin just is evil and hates freedom, which is ba- pretty much what they're saying. Even if those are both true, it's undeniable that there's a whole lot more going on. And they just don't care. Voice is calling for diplomacy, de-escalation, and detente. Detente, detent, or I forget, how's that? Detente, that's right, detente. I just haven't said that in a while. The taunt, you know, like a, like a pausing, basically, of, of, the, of the hostilities are being systematically drowned out. Why would that be? Aren't we a freedom-loving country? Like, wouldn't we want there to be some kind of an agreement to stop? This is the point they made the other day. Literally, while Zelensky and, 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 and Putin were in a discussion in a meeting about whether to de-escalate, the U.S. cast sanctions on Russia. Like, clearly they want those to work, right? We're, we're attacking you with economic sanctions while you're discussing whether you're going to roll it back. They wanted them to push, guys. That's the whole point. Meanwhile, you've got massively influential pundits like Sean Hannity calling for direct NATO airstrikes on a Russian military convoy in Ukraine. Yes, exactly. They want this to go. They want this to be the next world war without the slightest risk of losing his immense platform for advocating a move that would probably lead to a very fast, very radioactive third world war. Or at the very least, very clearly, more death. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that with that. There's there's more. They're always doing a great job, John Stone. But it's obvious this is manipulated, shifting. Here is, and I can't even believe that this is still on Twitter. I mean, I can, but... From the perspective that we're pretending they're not what we know they are, it's check this out. You probably all saw this. Lindsey Graham, a sitting member of Congress, just decided to tweet one day, is there a Brutus in Russia? He's talking about, you know, Caesar and, you know, Itu Bute, like the, the idea that this is the person that betrayed Caesar, stabbed him, right? That's what Brutus is supposed to be, like the betrayer, right? Is there a Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel uh, uh, Stauffenberg in the Russian military? Both references to somebody who wants to, to betray Putin. The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. There's no misunderstanding that. He's openly calling for anybody to step up and murder the sitting president of Russia. How is that even remotely acceptable? I don't care what you think Putin is. 
Can you imagine if Putin said that or anybody in the Russian government, if Lavrov stood up today and said, somebody please murder Biden for me? Guys, they would probably declare war. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if Trump was in power. But either way, the point is that they, they, would, they would be screaming about, see, we told you this is how evil they are. They're dangerous people and they're going to cause war. Nobody's here. Not even the not even the left. The left is screaming. They don't care. Why? Left and right are in lockstep about the whole thing. Ex- despite the fact that they have their weird, you know, their here's the truth on this side. No, the truth over here. They're all in lockstep for the main points. It's the same fake differentiation between the two party paradigm as always. They're always pretending. He goes on to say, "You would be doing your country and the world a great service, guys." This is undeniably a violation of Twitter rules and services. But as always, I don't think anybody should be censor- censored. It's not what I'm saying. But recognize that they're willing to censor anybody for saying things they don't agree with. But this guy can stand up and say, somebody please murder this person. Nobody cares. Why? Because Russia, bad guy. Just like with COVID-19, you designate people that have a different opinion as literal terrorists. And it doesn't matter what you do to them. You can attack them. You can hit them with your car. It doesn't even matter. The same things we were freaking out about two or 30 seconds ago are totally acceptable because can't you tell they don't even like vaccines of maniacs. Same thing. Lindsey Graham should be held accountable for something like this. And I don't even mean like, you know, I'm just called out for it. That is wrong. No matter how you spin it. Oh, and as I said, this is a member of us Congress. I don't think I said, I added, I don't add anything there. I just said, we must see by now who these people truly are. And they are most certainly not the good guys, whatever that means today. All governments are bad. Hashtag two-party illusion. Just to get ahead of what they assume I'm saying. Wink, wink, right? As always. Here's Vanessa Bealey. Let's read the tweet first. This is, this is incredible. This is, this, is exact, this is exactly the point. This is what I mean. If this was in reverse, and this was Russia, or anybody in the Russian government or society making this argument and giving this kind of information and making this public, they would flip out. This is Jeremy Bowen, BBC, from the media, or from the fake news, saying, where to throw a Molotov cocktail? Oh, I think you were meant to send that to the, the Venezuelan opposition, didn't you? Oh, yeah, right? When they were pretending to, right? You guys get that reference. Where to throw a Molotov cocktail? Guide for Ukrainian volunteers, so people joining the white supremacist government, show weak spots in Russian armor, viewing hatches and air inlets. They're literally giving a where-to guide of Russian vehicles of where to throw Molotov cocktails. So now today or tomorrow, whenever, when a random person throws a Molotov cocktail on a car and kills people, or when, let's say, a random person runs up and murders Putin or people next to him, is that not their fault? Couldn't you argue that? Wouldn't they do the same in reverse? You get the point. Endlessly the same point. Gross. Flagrant hypocrisy. Violating the very norms they say are undeniable when they point them out in other people. As Vanessa says, I don't know what's sicker. BBC demonstrating that it's outreach that it's an outreach agent for MI6 and NATO and actively enabling the deaths of Russian soldiers or the numbers of likes. What is wrong with people? Don't forget, though, the numbers of likes and everything can be clearly manipulated. But regardless, I don't, I don't think that's always what's happening. Oh, but as Dave Rubin points out that we already showed you, this, this is my point about how it's clearly aimed at civilians, which is how this always goes. Who's struggling in Yemen? The, the civilians. Who's struggling in Iran? 
the civilians who's struggling in Venezuela, the civilians, not the governments. They are hurting the regular people, so they revolt on their government. Guys, this was mapped out in documentation by people like Kissinger. This is very clearly what they want them to do. And as I've always said, right now in the U.S. government, you are under sanctions. As Whitney said, your body's the new battlefield. You are now the one being sanctioned. You're being driven to desperation. And by the way, it's, it's being driven into larger ways now. We're talking about food supply chain stuff. We'll get into that in a minute. But as he says, or as we pointed out before, EA Sports is now removing Russian national teams and all Russian soccer club teams from its FIFA video games. Why? Because it's Russian government? No. Because they just virtue signal and want to say, well, we hate Russians too. But wait a minute. I thought Putin said we stand with the Russian people. Well, these are Russian people. The people on the teams and the people that play the game. But no, who cares though? Let's just screw over the Russians in general because Russia bad guy. This is racist. It's broad whitewashing, and it's also completely irrational. It is the Red Scare. It's what they always drive, just like with any other situation. It's how all Muslims are bad during Iraq war. It's, it's the same stuff they always do. And if we can't see it by now, then we're choosing not to see it. I already pointed out before, IKEA just suspends Russia-Belarus operations because Russia bad guy. And what does it affect? The Russian government? No, 15,000 regular people. Because we hate Russia too. Look at what we did. You're disgusting. We should be boycotting all of this stuff. So, I mean, like I've last, I can't remember the last time I played an EA sports game, but we should, guys, don't use them. But I know it doesn't matter. But the point is 15,000 employees. You should never use Ikea again. Same like boycotting the BDS discussion. Oh, by the way, I'm glad I just said that. That's another point that Robert made. It's really important. It says Eurovision has hosted on the has hosted on the remains of an ethnically cleansed Palestinian village and stated that at the time that politics should remain aside is also taking action against Russia. Boycotts, divestments, and sanctions against Russia, it seems, is totally acceptable. Think about how hypocritical that is. So apparently when we discuss how we want to boycott, divest from, and sanction the, the Israeli government for the things that we just played for you in videos moments ago. We're called racist. We're told the entire platform is is terrorist driven and bad news. Not because they're just it's because by its essence, boycott divestments and sanctions, it is a terrorist act. Except we can do exactly the same thing to Russia because Russia bad guy. So apparently it's not about that it's bad inherently, it's that you don't like who we're doing it to. Exactly. Totally acceptable to boycott Russia to boycott their goods, to divest from them in every way, and to sanction them. Guys, that's verbatim what's happening. BDS, right now against Russia. And the U.S. government's doing it because they're disgusting, gross hypocrites. And Israel's all right in lockstep with it. We'd get if we do the same thing for Israeli government crimes and the Palestinian people will roundly deemed as anti-Semites and could potentially be fired from jobs in over 20 states across America. Russia is completely isolated from the world. Now, here's another question. Why are they doing that? Well, they say they're isolating Russia to, to push them back from the red line and make them stop what they're doing. Nobody thinks that's why they're doing it. Either they're too dumb to see why that's a stupid argument or they're willfully misrepresenting the situation. They're isolating them to drive them to action because you know what it does? It drives them to action. Why? If you're being cut off from things that you desperately need to manage your country, are you just going to sit back and let it be the reality? No. 
In fact, if maybe you weren't willing to push past Ukraine and now you're finding the situation, well, shoot, we, we literally have to or we are going to collapse because they took away this and took away that and took away our access to things we need. Well, if we don't do this, I mean, you have to realize that that's almost a guarantee to drive them to further aggressive action by sanction, by, by literally pushing them out of the world. Believe me when I say that that is the aim. Now, going back to Caitlin's point or where we were after that, where were we here? Oh, that's right. So this just gets even crazier. So that was the point of showing you those I showed you before leading to this. This, this is exactly the point. So Haas or HAS terminates contracts with Russian F1 driver. So, a, you know, like a NASCAR kind of thing. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the HAAS, but it's a, a drive F1 driving. But the point is, they ban the Russian government? No. They ban a Russian civilian. And a title sponsor. Because they're Russian. I mean, this, this is literally the Russian dressing joke. Are you going to ban Russian dressing too? I mean, that's the same, just as much logic. It's, this is hurting civilians because they're bad people, the people doing it to the civilians. Now, here is an interesting point. Now, to be clear, this is on Fox News and this per, the, jet, the I think is a colonel or a general, I forget, the guy on the right is saying things. I don't agree with his, a lot of the things he's framing about this, but nonetheless, he's saying things that I think he's being allowed to say because they want Fox News to be the complicit, you know, along like, like, don't forget the way we're talking about this in regard to what they think they're building. You know, the, the new Al-Qaeda and other, they want to frame the Russian side as the ones building it, even though it's very clearly being funded and driven and created by CIA, the Azov Battalion and everything they're doing there. They, the plan, as we've laid out very clearly, is to lay it at the feet of Russia as they now pushed into the area where they built it. I think it's pretty clear. They built this in Ukraine. They drove Russia to push in, and now they're going to unleash the thing. They're going to they're going to blame it on Russia. That's my guess, and all the data seems to back that up. But the point is that what you're what you're going to hear here is a lot. What you're going to hear is a lot of stuff that challenges the main narrative, and I think they want that to happen on Fox because they want to connect that with the white supremacy Republican. You know, see what I'm saying? Like they want this to tie together. But listen to what he says because this is a colonel challenging pretty aggressively the whole thing about fake information coming from Ukraine and so on. The first five days. Actually, of course. Well, now that it did pause on me, I believe I did download this. Let me grab it real quick. I believe we had this downloaded. I hope I did. Shoot. Maybe not. One second. All right, let's see if that works. One second. Oh, of course. Looks like it's downloading. It's going to take a second. Well, let me just play this, see if we can't. Let me know if the sound is too low on that. I'll try to play it for a second while we're doing this. Uh, Russian forces, I think, frankly, were too gentle. Ah, guys, I mean, come on. How do we miss that? How is it possible that it happens in the same time frame on every single one of them, whether or not it ends up playing? Isn't that weird? <laughs> the, uh, the first five days, uh, Russian. 
<laughs> it's three seconds. Right? I refreshed you for crying out loud. I mean, I don't even know what that means. Isn't that strange? Dang it. Okay, well, let's skip to the next thing. And we'll come back to the other one. Let's see if this one freezes at three seconds too. Just, it's just weird. I'm like fascinated by this. Like, I don't even understand what that means. The, uh, the first five days, uh, Russian forces. Look, four seconds. This is strange. Okay, well, the other one's about to be done downloading. So let's play this one first. Fox News released a devastating video with Colonel Douglas McGregor. That's Colonel. It's a real look at the situation and very different from what's broadcast by the corrupted media. And he says, Putin warned about this 15 years ago. All his requests were ignored. The U.S. would never tolerate a similar situation. It's true. And he did. That's the point. Is that It's not some new thing. Putin has been screaming about this and the media just pretends it's not happening. And you, it's easy to find. Now, that one just got done. So let me see if I can just do this one real quick, too. Now, this, it, the contrast is really showing you, I mean, it's all the stuff that we've been saying, too. Okay, got both of them. That one just went instantaneously. That's good. So let's go back to the first one then since they're both ready. So back to this one. The uh, first five days, uh, Russian forces, I think, frankly, were too gentle. Uh, they've now corrected that. So I would say another 10 days, this should be completely over. But the question is, uh, what is it that Zelensky is going to do? The Russians have made it very clear what they want is a neutral Ukraine. This could have ended days ago if he accepted that. Right. And that that's, again, a point that nobody wants to talk about. It's not neutral. It's literally back, controlled by the United States government, which we all know. And to be honest. And it, it's and they're driving to become a NATO state. They're discussing nuclear power. I mean, I'll get to a point where Putin discusses all this. How can you possibly pretend that that's not relevant? As that the girl said in a tweet, the U.S. would never stand for this. And then they can adjust the borders. But the eastern part of Ukraine is firmly in Russian hands. But again, the Russians are not seizing territory. They're destroying Ukrainian forces. That's their focus. Colonel, it sounds like you don't approve of Zelensky's stand. The eastern part of Ukraine has accepted that. And then they can adjust the borders. But the eastern part of Ukraine is firmly in Russian hands. But again, the Russians are not seizing territory. They're destroying Ukrainian forces. That's their focus. Again, interesting difference, right? Now, you could argue that he's wrong or he's lying for Russia or whatever they'll probably say about him without any evidence. But he's an expert in military tactics. What he's telling you is that he's, first of all, Putin is saying it. So it's very, and that's what he is saying. You can call him a liar all you want. But the point is, he is saying it. And when you look at what he's doing, other than you have narrative that's not being backed up by evidence and Ukrainian stuff coming out that's being proven to be false, it seems pretty clear that what is happening on the ground does seem so far to back up what he's saying. I'm not suggesting that means he won't change it and lie just like any government would when it becomes advantageous. But at some point, we have to stand back and say, if what you're seeing is what he's saying and what he's saying is aligning with what he's doing, and there's nothing we can see that literally challenges other than hand-waving, flailing arm movements from the U.S. government saying he's lying, fake news from a government that's constantly lied to us, shouldn't we at least be like, maybe he's telling the truth? And then no way does that mean we're saying he's a good guy or that he's right or that we're on his side. Like we're in kindergarten. We just have to stand back and recognize that a liar tends to lie. And we've seen nothing if we haven't seen lies from our government. 
Colonel, it sounds like you don't approve of Zelensky's stand. Oh, I think Zelensky is a puppet. Uh, is and he is putting huge numbers of his own population at unnecessary risk. And uh, quite frankly, most of what comes out of Ukraine is debunked as lies within 24 to 48 hours. The That's what it sounds like to say something honest in regard to what you can easily prove. Like how embarrassing that I can walk through those and be like, this was posted by the US, UK, the, UK, the Ukrainian government. And here is that clip on a video game. This was posted by the Ukrainian government. And here is that image from five years ago. Here, you know, on and on and on. Here are the, the images of tanks they posted with a Z, even though you can show that it was fake and photoshopped on. The point is the other side of the narrative just doesn't want to see it. They just ignore it because fake news, if it came from them, it's probably fake. We won't even look at it. La, 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 la. And by the way, the other side of the paradigm is the same thing. It's just that obvious. They are manipulating this and they're lying. The information is coming out from Ukraine, by and large, has been shown to be manipulated. Now, does that mean that I think Russia is not capable or has not done it? Obviously not. And I hate that I have to say this for every point that I do. They have and they will. But so far, have you seen evidence of it? I have not. <laughs> it's just spoon feeding for that three people that might be not. You guys in the chat, you know all this. So thank you for your patience for knowing that we're trying to reach those new people on the show. Notions of taking and retaking airfields, all of this is, and uh, quite frankly, most of what comes out of Ukraine is debunked as lies within 24 to 48 hours. The notions of taking and retaking airfields, all of this is nonsense. It hasn't happened. Look at that. Now, what's funny is the uh, the other anchor there is going like, oh, like, why would you even respond like that? So this guy, this colonel, is making a claim that it clearly seems, at the very least, he. He projects as if he's done his due diligence, right? On the spot, you don't have anything to, be, to challenge it. You could look into it and find very quickly that there's provable evidence, but he just responds with, oh, oh, why? Because he's challenging the narrative and you're supposed to push back on that. That's not what journalists are supposed to do. Yeah, you, you just, you're moaning and groaning over your expert testimony because you're saying, <laughs> it's just so funny. These are the mainstream, the corporate, but it's just, it's funny because these people think that they're the top, top, top elites. But here's the next one. And this one's with Trey Gowdy, which apparently is now a mainstream media pundit, which is ridiculous and shows you the whole thing. But let's watch the next clip. I am not a military expert. I'm not even an expert on geography. But if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland, then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he going to just have to keep going until he runs out of NATO countries? I love how the colonel got really frustrated there because that's a really, that argument is just, it's, it's dishonest. And he knows that. That's why he sighed right there. He's like, come on, man. First of all, Ukraine, it's only an issue because you're forcing a NATO issue, and that's a, a flagrant violation of, of agreements from a long time ago that has always been a red line for, for Putin. It always has been. They know that. He stated it. He's like arming it. Arming Ukraine has been a red line. Moving in has been a, a red line. Everything they're doing has been a state red line by Russia for years. They don't care. But the moment he crosses some arbitrary red line, oh, here we go. Right? It's, it's just dishonest. So the point is to say that, well, he's in Ukraine, and so then he's going to be board, boarding another NATO country, which, by the way, also shouldn't be there based on the Gorbachev and Reagan agreement. But the first of all is a point to argue that we know somehow that he's going to take and occupy this country. That's an assumption. He's in it. Let's see what happens. 
I guess they're just projecting what they always do. It could be what happens, but let's wait and see. My gut tells me, of course, he's. I don't think he's going to leave. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to do this and then not control it. Like from a strategic standpoint, especially when you was happening what you think is happening with the U.S. and whatever else. But let's wait and see what happens. Why would we assume into it? Because that's what we do in two-party politics, right? But his argument is, well, then he's just going to keep going from NATO country. He's leaning into the argument that he's going to just be an ongoing invasion from NATO country to NATO country. There's literally nothing that even makes sense about that. One that would extend their country that doesn't have those resources in a ridiculous way. That's what he says next. I'll just let him say it. The point is Russia doesn't have the resources for this. It's This is them fear-mongering and, and, and screaming about things that Russia is not even, one, saying they're going to do. Two, as this colonel says, capable of conducting. Now, I'm not talking about just general warfare. I'm talking about an elongated, ongoing, country-to-country, stone-stepping engagement like the U.S. government has done. Accuse them of that which you are guilty. I, I guess I should say it again. And real quick, yeah, watch his reaction real quick again. It's just funny. And then, and then listen to how he starts. It's pretty funny. But if he takes Ukraine and Ukraine abuts Poland, then he's going to have a NATO country abutting him. So if that's what he doesn't want, then isn't he going to just have to keep going until he runs out of NATO <laughs> countries? That. He's so irritated by that. I, I guess I should say it again. Uh, he has no interest in crossing the West, the Dnieper and heading west to the Polish border. The point, the reason he's saying that is because he said it on Fox many times. The point is, Gowdy or any of them don't even hear it. They don't care. So this guy gets on the show and he says he doesn't want to do this. That's not what's happening. Then two questions later, they go, well, what when Putin wants to take over? The... Because they have written down talking points. They don't even care about the dialogue. They know what they're supposed to push. And I agree. Someone in the chat says, Gowdy looks ridiculous. And I think he does as well. Uh, I think you're going to find from these negotiations no interest in crossing the west, the Dnieper and heading west to the Polish border. Uh, I think you're going to find from these negotiations he's quite willing to neutralize that territory on the Austrian or the Finnish model. Now he, obviously, again, I should add that he could be wrong. He could be lying. He could be paid by Putin. You can say whatever you want. But assuming one of those things because it works with what you think is childish. Evidence is required. Right now, Russia already touches Estonia and part of Latvia. What- Again, think about, that's you just made Trey Gowdy look like a fool. So he's already backed up to these countries. So you're dumb, right? Like you can't, like the argument was because he then butts up to it. Now he's got to take action. Well, too late, already happening. Either you don't know geography or you just didn't care to point that out, right? Simple. Russia already touches Estonia and part of Latvia. White Russia, of course, touches uh, Lithuania. Uh, he's not interested in going to war with us, and he has an army that's too small for that purpose, and he knows it. So this colonel says, by the way, I'm sure plenty of other experts would argue otherwise from Russia or whatever else they typically do. But the point is that this is the mainstream corporate media, and that's what he's saying. And I would argue, I would argue that I, su- I support that idea. When you, from what I think I understand about their background, that it, I don't even see that being capable, them being capable of doing that from one country to the next, the way that the U.S. military has. Realize they spend a fraction of what the U.S. government does on their military. Don't forget, the U.S. government spends more than literally every other country combined in the world on their military. That's ridiculous. And that's why they can do what they've been doing. His economy is smaller than that of uh, South Korea's. So this is not something that he's looking for. We're imputing to him things that he does not want to do in our usual effort to demonize him and his country. Think about what he just said. 
we're basically putting things in his mouth and we all know that's happening regardless of what he is in fact. Demon, bad guy, whatever you want to think in your mind doesn't even matter in this context because what he said is true. Your media in this country, in the U.S., is dishonest. They willfully distort and misrepresent what people say when they want to do so. They'll clip out three words in the middle. They do it to Iran all the time. You can have this huge context around the whole thing, and they clip out the part that makes it look like he's a maniac. And with the context, it shows that he was being very sane and very rational, right? It's just pathetically dishonest. And that's what he's telling you right now. You guys are putting words in his mouth that he does not say or want because you want to make him look bad. We need to remember that Ukraine is forced from the bottom of 158 countries in the world as, as corrupt. Russia is perhaps three or four places above them. This is not the liberal democracy, the shining example that everyone says it is. Yep. All the people shouting up and down about Ukrainian democracy. It's just the same old thing all over again. Wrapped up, waving Ukrainian flags and clapping for the nurses, right? It's all, it's all the same garbage. You are being wrapped up into this and you have no idea what you're talking about. And that's so many people are doing that. And it's just the way these things are. It's because people just want to get wrapped up in it. They want to feel part of it. It's the mass psychosis on the next step, right? And, and don't miss the point he said there. Ukraine being fourth from the bottom in regard to being the most corrupt in the planet. But yeah, it's okay though. The U.S. works with them, right? Just like they work with Saudi Arabia. Because they're all good guys, right? Are from it. Mr. Zelensky has jailed journalists and his political opposition. Yep. The shining example that everyone says it is. Far from it. Mr. Zelensky has jailed journalists and his political opposition. Now, has Russia and the United States? Yes. Right? So the point is not to say one good, one bad. The point is to point out that they are supporting somebody who is bad, regardless of why. They being the U.S. government in this case. I think we need to stay out of it. The American people think we should stay out of it. The Europeans think we should stay out of it. And we should stop shipping weapons and encouraging Ukrainians to die in what is a hopeless endeavor. Yep. So when you say stay out of it, you mean no sanctions, no military? I love how he just ignores everything he said, all the rational points and all the things that were, as, a, as an actual journalist, would have been far more valid and important to dissect and pick into, right? Okay, let's talk about this part or that part. He just skips past everything that's important, goes right back to the narrative, and tries to get him, tries to trip him up with like, so you're saying you just want to let him take the country. Encouraging Ukrainians to die in what is a hopeless endeavor. So when you say stay out of it, you mean no sanctions, no military aid, just let Russia take the portion of Ukraine they want to take? Yes, absolutely. I, I see no reason why we should fight with the Russians over something that they have been talking about for years. We right. simply chose to ignore it. And more important, the population there is indistinguishable from their own. You know, the thing that's so disturbing is that on the one hand, we will not send our forces to fight. But we are urging Ukrainians to die pointlessly in a fight they can't win. So you see right there, that almost seems to suggest that he wants to send people to fight or rather that maybe they should. I don't know. Like, I'm always very suspicious about anything coming from the two party paradigm. As much as he's saying what I, that, you know, truth is truth, in my opinion, regardless of where it comes from. But they use the truth to guide you in the wrong direction all the time. So I'm just concerned about that way he framed that last part. You know, it's like, well. We won't send troops over there, but we're going to let them send them in. You know, I don't know. Interesting. We're going to create a far worse humanitarian disaster than anything you've seen thus far if it doesn't stop. 
Thank you for joining us. Right. Uh, I love that where it's like, get out of there quick. <laughs> you, you failed. Uh, uh, but interesting difference, isn't it? Now we're going to go on here to talk about what he's discussing there and what they're actually funding and supporting. Which a lot of this you might have, some of this you might have seen. But before we get there, Putin explains why Ukraine attack went beyond Donbass. Like this is interesting because you won't hear this anywhere. Putin explains why Ukraine attack went beyond Donbass. So the argument is he's a maniac, just wants to take the country because Soviet Union, blah, blah, blah. Which you know, certainly could be true. But what you should note very quickly is that nobody anywhere has anything to back that up. Why? Because they're talking about an intention. They're literally talking about as if they absolutely know as fact what Putin thinks. How do we not laugh about that? That's everywhere. Fox, CNN, all of them. I'm an expert on Putin. So what? So you know what he's thinking right now? That's so stupid. Anyway, the point is the Russian leader claims Moscow wanted to prevent the West from helping nationalists, right? This is a fact, by the way, that the U.S. government is building a white supremacist army in Ukraine. My argument is to use it against you. It's the next war on terror. It's the next Al-Qaeda threat they're going to use to do however it ends up being, whether it's in Ukraine or outsourced from Ukraine, it's happening right now. Please read this article. As I said before, I watch my show, but we'll come back to it in a second. The point is, he's pointing at that valid, 100% verifiable reality, whether or not you believe that's what he really wants to stop or not, that's a fact, that that's happening. He wants to prevent the West from helping those white supremacists, nationalists, whatever he calls them, right there. Russian President Vladimir Putin said on Saturday that he chose to attack Ukraine beyond the borders of the Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics, DPR and LPR, the Donbass collectively, to prevent the West from endlessly supplying nationalists and radicals with various resources. Right. I mean, so again, whether you want to frame them as white nationalists and radicals, even though I, we've proven to you that's what they are, and the fact that the, the Western press even called them that before it was not supposed to be stated, that that's right now what they're doing. I'm going to show you in a minute. There's some troops are going into Ukraine now. They're arming them. Biden, Biden wants to send $35 billion worth of weapons. I've got a Patrick Lancaster video that shows the weapons on the ground that they took from the Ukrainians that they were using against the Donbass people that is the U.S. weaponry. So is he not right? Okay, so just so we're clear, none of that can be challenged. Provably, these are white supremacists. Provably. Regardless of how you don't like how that's stated. Provably. The CIA and the U.S. government and plenty of others are currently arming them. So regardless of whether you think about Putin, you have to acknowledge that that is a valid concern. He says he added that the Russian forces were practically done destroying Ukrainian military sites, such as air defenses and weapon depots. We'll have to wait and see how it pans out. I, I never trust what they say about their own actions because it's, all, it's always overhyped because they want it to look more valid and then underhyped when they get attacked every time in war. The president stated that he had ordered Russian troops to invade Ukraine last week in order to neutralize the real threat coming from Kiev and NATO. Now, in regards in regard to the nationalist supremacists they're arming, as well as the fact that NATO is pushing into Ukraine to be, in, to be right on its borders. Now, valid. Of course it is. Does that mean that there's not some other agenda in his mind? That, or that this is just all narrative that he's putting forward to be able to take what he wants from the country? Well, this is certainly possible. But it doesn't change the fact that what he's saying is true. The one thing you'll notice difference here, if you do believe that, is that what the U.S. tends to do is not give you a true narrative, float something completely verifiably false, and push in under a guise of freedom and hurt people. 
Now that is, you could argue that's what's happening here, but the point is his narrative to justify it is verifiably true. Pretty interesting difference. Now, people in the main corporate world won't want to admit that. But again, I'll point to a couple examples to prove it. They just don't want to look at it. Moscow has long protested the Western military infrastructure along its borders and Ukraine's aspirations to join the U.S.-led bloc. These are very serious war, like war red lines. Putin's, these are like, if this line is crossed, these are, we consider these acts of war, arming them and so on. They've stated this. The world knows this. U.S. did it anyway. Then when Russia does responds to that, well, then they're acting out. How can we not see that as dishonest? I don't care what you think about good guy, bad guy. That's just simply dishonest. Quote, they began to say more actively that they will admit Ukraine to NATO. And we all saw that. What will this lead to? This is Putin speaking. He says all other members of the alliance must back Ukraine in case of military conflict. We know that's how NATO works. That's what 9-11 was, right? 9-11, was it Article Article 4? Shoot, I'm going to mis- misremember. Whatever article was, maybe 12? Shoot, I can't remember now. Whatever article it was in, in, the, in the, the NATO charter, the, the article was about if one's attacked, we're all attacked. It had never been used until 9-11. In my opinion, that's when the global military was essentially began. When it essentially began. That's NATO. And it was only driven into reality because of the false flag that was 9-11. And it drove NATO into, be, into becoming the world military. So now here we are, same situation. And if NATO, if Ukraine becomes a part of NATO, well, from Russia's standpoint, all they have to do is fake something as they've already done, and we've proven they've done, lie about an attack, and suddenly the whole world in NATO has to jump in and support Ukraine. That becomes war. That they, This is obvious. So he says, we have to do something about that. And you would argue if that's valid, which it seems to be, that that's a fair point, even if that's not what he really cares about. Quote, they will attack Crimea. He's claiming that Ukraine will, and, will be for, and they, we will be forced to go to war with NATO. That's a valid point. Do you understand the consequences, he says? The president stated that he wanted Ukraine to become a neutral country. That's exactly what the colonel just said. Not one side or the other, just neutral. Crimea voted to leave Ukraine and join Russia shortly after the 2014 coup in Kiev. Verifiably so. We just played you the clip where they admitted they knew it was not what they said it was. It was during that time that the DPR and the LPR broke away from Ukraine. Same reason, guys. That's what they just said. That's what the colonel just said. They're indistinguishable from the Russian population. This was the Crimea and the and the Donbass region were the predominantly Russian-speaking areas. They were being ethnically cleansed. We've already proven to you that these people, their stated objective was to hurt these people. That's on the record. The U.S. media just doesn't look at it. So then when they start being attacked... Obviously, they want to go. They don't want to be a part of this. That's why they're nationalists. That's why they're they are forcing in their nationalist views on these people, or rather, just distinguishing extinguishing them because they don't fit their direction. Verifiably, so that's the point about the fourteen thousand people. And now it goes on to say, "Let's." He goes, "Quote: Let's acquire nuclear weapons." They say in Ukraine, which is what he already said. We can't simply ignore that, and the U.S. wouldn't either. Now, it says Kiev said the attack was entirely unprovoked, but that's not, that's a lie too, because what did they do? Crossed every red line that Russia put out. They, they carried out open NATO drills, which is obviously one of the big red lines, NATO and Ukraine. They carried out NATO drills inside Ukraine that borders Russia. Are we pretending like these aren't red lines? 
They flew F-16s 200 miles off the coast of Russia. All this happened before this all started. And then Russia moves forward to their own border, and that flipped everybody out. Oh, they're building on the border. Well, because you built first. But who cares, right? Facts don't matter. And now we drive it to where Russia pushes in, and you could argue that was his plan all along, but you have to realize that the U.S. government drove this into reality. Now, here's the Kiev Independent showing you exactly, basically proving that P- that Putin's concerns were valid. Ukraine joins NATO's Cyber Defense Center as a contributing participant. Well, there you go. They're already putting their foot in the door, guys. Quote, quote, Ukraine could bring valuable firsthand knowledge, says the director of NATO cooperative. This is the first step of integrating them into NATO. So pretty much exactly what Russia said was a big problem for them. And they said, we're not doing that, you fake news liars. And then they did it. Exactly. That's what always happens. Fake news, fake news, fake news, right up until it actually happens. And here's another example. Think Great Reset. This is the same thing we keep talking about. A lot of this ties back to the same direction. The World Bank all of a sudden steps up and says, well, they're ready to support Ukraine. Okay. Where's the World Bank? I mean, first of all, if it's the World Bank, shouldn't you try to remain non-partisan? Objective? No. Everybody today has a political... The World Bank is standing up. And so this is one more aggressive way that the Russian, the Russian government's being ostracized, isolated. It says, this was announced by Zelensky after a conversation with the president of the organization. Great. So the puppet government of Ukraine is meeting with the World Bank. Yeah, this, isn't, this is obviously, you could see where it's all going. According to preliminary information, the bank is ready to provide Ukraine with what? $3 billion. Now, here's an interesting point that I wanted to share before we move on to the ASOP battalion. Unchain! Unchain Ukraine! I saw that. was Okay, that's weird. What is that? That's it's, it, This is Brave Browser supporting that out there. Well, what is Unchain? Well, Unchain is a charity project created by blockchain activists. Hmm, that's weird. Blockchain, think Great Reset, the direction they're going. Our goal is to break the chain of war with, Ru- with the Russian Federation starting against Ukraine. Your support helps raise and quickly distribute money for humanitarian needs. So the people of Ukraine can get the help within it most. Okay, so it's just money going to the Ukrainian government that's controlled by the U.S. government. That's what that is. Let's not pretend like this is going to go anywhere other than the channels that they have to give it to. They're not stepping into Ukraine in the situation. They're giving it to people that will then pretend to give it to people that need it when it always, always, always ends up in the hands of the extremists being armed by the funds or the, by the backers like the U.S. government. Look, look at the, the fake aid that was being sent to the Venezuelan freedom fighters. It turned out to be barbed wire and wood, and they tried to false flag it with a bunch of Molotov cocktails and got caught. Or all the things they pretended were being humanitarianly sent into Syria when it went right to the terrorists. Or the stuff, you know, on and on and on and on. The point is, this is now utilizing blockchain. Unchain Ukraine. And that's what's, that this is a clear step in the direction of the new future. Unchain Fund raises nearly $2 million for Russia. Ukraine? No, for the Ukrainian government. Venture capital turns humanitarian amid crisis. Yeah, don't buy that. The joins first mover to speak to the Unchained Fund's actions to provide humanitarian aid in the Russian-Ukraine war. It's very, very interesting to me. Then just in, Ukraine Zelensky, in a call with U.S. senators, asks for master and visa cards to be banned in Russia. See? 
First of all, don't forget MasterCard was a key part of Vent 201 and a lot of things involved in COVID-19 But and, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But so a puppet government speaks up, or I mean, it isn't any government speaks up and goes, hey, MasterCard Visa, ban Russia because I ask for it. And they instantly do it. Visa, MasterCard, hold operations in Russia. V, are we, I mean, who do you think that's going to affect? All of the civilian people in Russia that have credit cards. Do you, these, this is willful action being taken against Russian people. Bad stuff. I don't care what you think about Putin. Your government is disgusting right now. They are going above and beyond to hurt the people of Russia while pretending they're fighting for them. Just like, by the way, they literally do every single time everywhere. Because I've proven it to you over and over and over. Point to any country and I'll show you exactly that this is what they're doing. Freedom as they murder families in the street or destroy houses or allow Israel to do the same. Or allow Saudi Arabia to do the same. Or allow the UAE to do the same. Or on and on and on and on and on and on. Or allow the Azov Battalion to do the same. Here's what's interesting. This is March 5th. March 5th. This is today. American veterans are heading to Ukraine to join the country's fight against Russia. So let's pretend like we don't know for sure that there's not CIA assets and actual military or... I mean, like, this is going to be used to... Pretend like, no, they're all just volunteer veterans. No, not totally not all still active military. But the point, nonetheless, we're talking about Americans going to Ukraine to fight alongside their military against Russia. Didn't we just talk about this? Oh, that's right. Right before this all started, they were flipping out about how this is happening. Ukraine deports Americans because they go to Ukraine to fight alongside their military. Oh, but, but this is when it was still acceptable to admit they were neo-Nazi groups. And that they were there doing that with the Azov Regiment. <laughs> right. This is, this is pathetic. Guys, I mean, they're now promoting the idea as freedom that they were seconds ago screaming about. Watch all of these shows we did before. I have like, a, I have 50 different examples. I just pull, pulled up a couple of them. Here's the one I keep pointing at. Here's another one that we just keep showing. Because this is right now. This is, this is from February 2022. Not back then. They're saying Ukraine far-right groups training civilians. I keep playing the video for you where, you're, where they show in February U.S. soldiers on the ground in Ukraine training people alongside the, all, the, uh, the white supremacist military. We show that they're funding them right now, the CIA and so on. So when you see Americans going to fight alongside them, why can't we connect these things? Why can't we realize that this is exactly what they were screaming about before to sell us on the white supremacist threat? Now, when they want to switch, they get quiet about the white supremacist threat and drive people to go help them because freedom. Are we really this stupid? I don't believe it. The Azov Regiment is, is what I've already proven to you is immersed, immersed in the, in the, Ukra- in the Ukrainian military. Ukraine has deported two men from a notoriously violent American neo-Nazi group who tried to help set up a local branch and join far-right military to gain combat experience. They're talking about the Azov Battalion. Now, these people were from the Ottawaffen Division, which we've already referenced, tied back to the same group of Whitney's article. There's a part in here that I wanted to check. I, I feel like uh, I, I got some highlighted stuff here that I lost. The SBU said in a statement at the website uh, Thursday that two Americans produced a video promoting neo-Nazism. 
don't think it was in this one. Anyway, there because there's I've already I, I show you in this article as well, but I swear I had something else up here that had. Uh, here we go. I did have it in here. Good. I'm glad I found this. Okay, so what it said. This is important to recognize. So this is back in 2020. You know, before we were supposed to not admit this anymore, right? It says terrorism experts have warned about Ukraine, which is fighting a war against Russia and its separatist proxies in the country's eastern Donbass region, becoming a fertile training ground for Western white nationalist extremists. All right, so it's like, but now we're going to send them. One of one group of particular concern has been the Azov group, which, which began as a volunteer battalion when the war broke out in 2014, which, by the way, right now, that's where the Western press stops because they're so good at their due diligence, right? but has since grown into a movement consisting of a political party, right? They're immersed with not just politics, but the military and the government. A vigilante unit that works closely with the police, in fact, is part of the police units and various NGOs. They're the government guys. It gets admitted all over the place in in corporate media up until now they're supposed to change, just like with COVID-19. They'll know masks don't work and up until they're supposed to change the narrative. The Azov Regiment was officially incorporated into Ukraine's National Guard in late 2014. Back then. They're telling you this stuff, guys. And it just it's just amazing to me that we can't put this stuff together, that they can't, rather. Now, here was that same one I've showed you many times from the beginning of 2022. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia. They're saying that. I'll just read you the one, the one main part that's important here in regard to where what we're talking about today. Or wait. See, something happened here. Oh, there it is. Okay. Now it says the Azov Special Operations Detachment, also known as the Azov Battalion or Azov Regiment, was established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior after the conflict broke out in 2014 and was later transferred to the National Guard, according to Kuzmenko, who was an expert on the topic. He goes on to talk about how the U.S. government knows about this, that even Alyssa Slotkin wrote a letter to Blinken in the beginning of the year telling him, a Democratic representative, they just ignored this is the entire grouping, guys. This is immersed in their government. And right now, apparently it's no big deal that we're letting Americans fly over there to fight alongside them. But don't, but don't forget that we're fighting a war against white supremacy in the military. We're fighting a war against them in the right, the Trump supporters and the QAnons in and, and, and our, and our country. And it's overwhelming us while we fund and arm and do the same thing right there. Don't, let's not be, this is so obvious. We cannot fall for this. You, If you haven't read this article from Whitney, as I said before, this is one of the most important articles, if not the most important article in understanding what's actually going on in Ukraine. These people, with their openly neo-Nazi symbolism and everything else they're doing, these people are open about it. Nazi salutes, everything. It's easy to prove. And it's not just one small volunteer group, which they've tried to say now. It's obviously all of them. And then you find out when you read this article that it's documented. The CIA and everybody else has been arming and funding them. I mean, there's even an article in foreign policy or foreign affairs, excuse me, where they talk about this. He literally points this out a week ago, telling you the coming Ukrainian insurgency and goes on to say very clearly as, as an, he's a former CIA, that the CIA has been arming people and building an insurgency since 2015, since 2015. So if they've been building an insurgency and arming them 
That means they knew that what they did would drive Russia to invade because you don't have an insurgency unless you're the fighting back force, right? You don't, you don't have an insurgency when you're trying to fight and force the Donbass into Ukraine. You're an insurgency when, when Russia occupies the country and then you fight back. Just like with Syria in regard to how the U.S. occupies it and Assad fights back. Or Russia from within. So the fact that he states this and he knew it was an insurgency is the fact that they, and, and it was, they were building one from 2015 means the CIA knows this was what they were trying to accomplish. Pretty simple. And then know that they were using the white supremacist army to get it there. Now, read this article, but if you want to listen to me discuss it and go over the article and a lot of other discussions therein, I recommend you look at both. How the CIA built the new Al-Qaeda in Ukraine. But if you're going to do one, please read Whitney's article because it is outstanding. Now, here's a point that you might find quite interesting. Speaking of the Israeli government, come in the beginning stuff we talked about. Here's an article from 2018. And look at what it says. Right. So don't forget, don't miss that right now you'll be called a racist if you point at the white supremacist nationalist problem in Ukraine. They're literally calling Putin Hitler because he called them that, claiming he's trying to hide his own racist agenda, which does show you the planted narrative that they're going to use to try to blame it on him. It's obvious. But here they are accusing Israel, their own people, and Haaretz covering it of funding what? Neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine. So how can the same outlet be call out the same element, yet today call you racist for pointing at it? Because these people are clowns. Rights groups demand Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Human rights activists petitioned the court to cease Israeli arms exports, which are still going on, to Ukraine since some of these weapons reach neo-Nazi elements in Ukraine's security forces. Now, the point is, that's again the way they play this game. They're not reaching neo-Nazi elements. By 2018, this was already across the board. If they had already become part of the National Guard in 2015, 14, and it was established by the interior of the ministry and the police forces and have a political party, there's no, you know, working their way over to the small group in the corner. That's how they try to frame it. Even here, they're lying to you. A group of more than 40 human rights activists have filed a petition with the High Court of Justice demanding the secession of Israeli arms exports to Ukraine. Can you? It's incredible. The very people calling, you know, using everything about Nazism to support their own agenda, the Zionists I'm talking about, are the very ones funding and arming the, uh, the real rising built white supremacist threat that they want to use against you, that they're pretending is happening here. That means they aren't at all what they pretend they are. They argue that these weapons serve forces that openly espouse a neo-Nazi ideology and cite evidence that I've already proven to you that the right-wing Azov militia, whose members are part of Ukraine's armed forces, exactly, and are supported by the country's Ministry of Internal Affairs, is using these weapons. They are. An earlier appeal to the Defense Ministry was met with no response. Right. Because Israel can't admit they're arming Nazis, can they? This is not the first time in which the defense establishment is arming forces that embrace a nationalist socialist ideology. Oh, what do you what do you mean? You mean that's not even the first time they want to arm people that they pretend they're fighting? Weird. You realize the argument by the mainstream Western press was that Zelensky's Jewish, so therefore that's impossible? That's about as stupid as claiming you're black so you can't be racist. That's dumb. It's literally contrary to the exact definition, in fact. In fact, saying that is racist. That's what's funny about it. But the point is, 
they've already done it before. In the past, Israel has armed anti-Semitic regimes, but you didn't know that, such as the general's regime in Argentina, which murdered thousands of Jews in camps while its soldiers stood in watchtowers guarding the abducted prisoners with their Uzi submachine guns. Well, isn't that sort of its own sort of Holocaust, right? And that Israel was backing and supporting? Yes. Yeah, these are really contentious things to say even today. But you know what? It's true. And even Heretz is pointing it out. So we have to be honest about it. According to the Freedom of Information petition from Israel's defense ministry from last January, Israel also armed Bolivia's military regimes, knowing that Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie was part of the regime. How do you make sense of that? They're liars. That's what you do. Legal documents used to convict the head of the junta also showed that Barbie's death squads used Israeli Uzis, meaning they were arming the Nazi. In the case of Ukraine forces using Israeli weapons are, are in the case of Ukraine forces using Israeli weapons are openly stating that support for racist and anti-Semitic ideas in various publications. Is that sentence wrong? In the case of Ukraine forces using Israeli weapons are openly stating that their support, that's weird, in various publications. The Azov militia emblems are well-known nationalist socialist ones. Its members use the Nazi salute and carry swastikas and SS insignias. That's Haaretz reporting that. I'm not even saying you necessarily have to agree with everything. They, 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 I, I as always point out that there's parts of this that are part of the agenda. But amazing that this can be stated in 2018, and right now, it's complete racist fake news, you're anti-Semite. Clown world. Utter, utter clown world. Here's an interesting part. Here is a Fox News report parroting what this member, this member of parliament apparently is saying from Ukraine, which I don't know why you would trust what the Ukrainian puppet government is saying, but it's not even about what they're getting into. I just want to show you the next, the, they're showing you the freedom fighters ready to fight against the bad guy Russia, and look at what they show next. Note the mask in there too, by the way. You're going to see a very obvious symbol for a openly white supremacist militia right there. That's the right sector. These are the groups training the civilians. That's my point. That's what we keep showing you. That's what's happening. It's not just the right sector. It's the Georgia Legion. It's the Azov Battalion. It's Svoboda. All these groups are involved with this whole process. And they are openly white supremacist. It's on the record. They say very clearly what they want to accomplish. Your government doesn't care. That's the flag that we saw in the Patrick Lancaster video. They were waiting. They, 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 this is the point. But even Fox is showing it like that they don't care. Now, here is Putin's argument from March 4th. Putin highlights the danger emanating from neo-Nazis in Ukraine and talked with schools. He says, quote, it was emphasized that the basic danger was emanating from military formations of neo-Nazis who are committing numerous war crimes, using terrorist methods and deploying strike weapons in residential areas and cynically using the civilian population as a shield. Now, there's obvious evidence that they are conducting these things and that they are saying they wanted to do these things. So if you want to argue that Putin's making it up, or rather that he's doing it too, then we need to prove these things. Because the reality is, as people like we've shown you, that Lancaster and other independent journalists have been showing for years now, this whole process, the whole problem with Donbass has been ongoing. Quote, we are registering ever more frequently the arrival of mercenaries from third countries, in particular, Albania, Croatia, Kosovo. Guess what? Even jihadists from Syrian combat. It's, this is the extension of the same thing, guys. They're just outsourcing the same thing. 
Just like they went from Libya to Syria, they're going to go from Syria to Ukraine. It's the same stuff. That's why we found there were Chinese people working on the side. It, it just it, They were just all involved. We can't miss how this is the same thing. That's why we said this, this is, was, I, I, I said this is the new Syria. Whitney Colt said it's the, the, the new Al-Qaeda. It's the same point. Ukrainian nationalists, as they're pointing out, plan to kill Iraqi students to blame their death on Russia. This is interesting. This was today. So let's wait and see if there's anything that comes out of this. Now, I'm not saying we should trust this. Now, just to give you the argument, they might say they could be stating this because they want to carry this out and they want to frame it on them. The point is, like, let's take the first point. What happened to the false flag they were claiming before? Didn't Ukraine and basically every Western nation parrot for three months straight that Russia was going to use crisis actors and carry out a false flag? Well, that, that's not to say that it couldn't still happen, right? But the point is that they claimed that was going to be the impetus for the invasion. Well, that's too late, right? So they were wrong or they lied or however you want to look at it. So why would we take their word at any stage? The point is we shouldn't take any of their words as, some, as they want to try to frame us taking one side of the... Nope, we're questioning all of it. We should question this. We should question them. My point is you can't only look at one side if you're pretending to be objective. If you're really going to question everything, you should look at both sides and do it equally. So let's listen to what they're going to say. Ukrainian nationalists plan to kill Iraqi students. Blame it on Russia. It is reported that Ukrainian nationalists, which, by the way, are absolutely present, are getting ready to stage a propaganda fake involving nine Iraqi students, whom they held by force and hostage of the Sumi State University. The point is what they're saying is basically they're going to stage these people and blame it on them and use this as as a justification to drive this into a larger stage of war. And they're claiming they're getting ready to stage this in specific areas. Now it says the nationalists are plotting to kill these Iraqi citizens when the Russian army will be establishing control of the university's territory and to spread fake news. Foreign citizens professing Islam were killed as a result of a Russian military aggression. Now that's an interesting crossover. Maybe to justify the drawing of the Syrian people going in or the Syrian or the foreign extremists from the Syrian war to going into Ukraine. Interesting. Now, if nothing happens, you, there, you, you shouldn't read anything into it. Either side could be lying. But if something does pan out here, we have to recognize this is something that they put forward first and then just wait for something to prove one side or the other. That's called being objective. But it's interesting how many times Russia has come across like this and said this was about to happen, sort of like the verifiable false flags carried out by the U.S. government in Syria. Multiple. Into mainstream, Robert Fisk from The Independent proved it on the ground. The point is they've done it before and Russia's gotten it right before. So we should consider the history. Then uh, the next one, uh, Ukrainian nationalists, they claim, trying to set off humanitarian disaster in Donbass. Now, the point is these, these nationalists they keep pointing at, they've said they want to do this stuff. They have stated that they want to carry out these kind of attacks, right, on the record. And I've shown it to you. Same with here. It is reported that the artillery units of Ukraine's army continue purposefully bombarding residential areas of Donbass. Now, we could go on to, I mean, the, the point is that you can show evidence that you should question from people like Patrick Lancaster. And every single thing they keep showing about what they claim is happening in Ukraine, not to suggest there's not stuff happening, but everything they keep showing about what they claim are hospitals and the kindergarten that they lied about that was in fact in the Donbass region, right? The very first one that they started the whole false flag. Well, in fact, it seems like it was, but in reverse. The point is that you can see these things 
and you should question them, but you can prove that what they're showing you and claiming is happening is false. If they're going to show you a video game and claim they had some attack on Russia, why would you believe the next thing they say? Now, I haven't seen these videos debunked or proven wrong. In fact, it's pretty clear that these are valid, but you give me your opinion. I'm going to show you a couple of things from the ground in the Donbass region. Now, warning, and I mean this, it's not as, you know, bloody graphics you might, you might expect, but I'm gonna, there's going to be some dead bodies in this clip, in this pic. So if you don't want to see that, don't look. But I feel it's important to show you this Val, and this is Patrick Lancaster on the ground doing the real work for you, recording what's happening and putting his life in danger so you can see what's really happening to the civilians in this area. Now, you should consider whether there's likewise stuff happening in Ukraine. But if you don't have evidence for it, you can't assume into that because the media says so or because a lying government says so. Right. So take a look at this. And this is this is rough. This is from March 1st. And what my point is, is that there's repeated and constant evidence that not only is this happening, but that the the Ukrainian government for eight years has been actively bombing and attacking not military points or Russian government, but civilian schools, houses, locations, over and over and over. I'm Patrick Lancaster here in the center of Donetsk. Three seconds. My God. Lancaster here in the center of Donetsk. Guys, come on now. There is no way that makes sense. Are we really going to pretend like anything on my computer could make multiple platforms freeze in exactly the same point? God. Just hold on a second. I know, experiencing interruptions? Right. Exactly at the same spot in different places? This is just strange to me. I don't know. I don't know. Just give me a second. I'll down. I'll grab the damn thing. Damn it. That's just so strange. I know I should have grabbed these before, but I, I didn't want to really get, see, but then downloading them is going to make this take forever too. Son of a gun. Hold on. Okay. No, that went pretty quick. All right. Well, let's at least play this first one. I don't want to download all these, especially since we just want to play it. We'll see. We'll see if we can get to play real quick. I'm Patrick Lancaster here in the center of Donetsk, capital of... Oh, now four seconds. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Play the video for you. Now, again, warning, since there was a little pause here. Graphic warning. Graphic warning. I'm Patrick Lancaster here in the center of Donetsk, capital of the Donetsk People's Republic. As you see behind me, the city is still trying to live. But unfortunately, not everyone is living here in the center at the, the uh, Miners Square, uh, uh, Plushet Shakhtors, as they uh, call it. There was an attack by Ukraine forces, and this attack sent shrapnel across this high-rise here. The impact of the shell impacted right here. Building this uh, looks like it could be even a, a small bus. It's unclear, a van or what it is. And through that, and killing these two civilians here. This, 
Ukraine doesn't, it's the second day in a row Ukraine has shelled the center of Donetsk. This cannot continue. Something needs to be done to stop this. Okay, guys. This is happening. Okay. This, this is legitimate. Okay. These are, not to suggest that it's not happening on the other side, but I don't see it. And I actually don't think it's happening like this. That's my opinion. They are aiming, and by the way, you know why I feel this so strongly? Because we know what these people are. If You can't pretend that it's one-sided, but then not look at what these people are and what the CIA has grown there, that these are dangerous people, dangerous, bad people that are actively fighting for ethnic cleansing, right? Just like the Israeli government that also supported, or the Saudi Arabian government that they also support. Let's recognize their pattern, guys. These are bad people that are bombing the center of a civilian location because they don't want to be part or don't want to allow themselves to be exterminated. Patrick Lancaster is doing amazing work out there and he deserves your support, putting himself in danger. Now, there's other videos near, by the way. Now, we, I wanted, this, this is, first of all, the Ukrainian parliament says the evacuation of civilians from uh, uh, Mariupol I'll try, I want to remember to pronounce it like he did. Mariupol has been suspended for security reasons amid Russian forces failure to observe agreed ceasefire. That's what they're saying. Of course, coming from the Ukrainian white supremacist parliament, right? Because that makes sense. Now, they're saying it's Russia's fault. They, they're not observing the ceasefire. Now, this is exactly what happens in every situation we've seen before. Yemen. Palestine, I mean, any of it. They always they always point the other side. Every every side points at the other side, and they claim it. Whatever, it's nonsensical. But what we do know, as a matter of fact, right here is that the Ukrainian government was never stopping. They were, and that's if you know that, which we can see. You would argue the Russian government has no rational reason to stop the sea there because they're. Why would we cease fire if they're openly continuing to attack? The problem is that when Russia does attack in response, the same as anywhere else, they go, they broke the ceasefire, if that's what happened. Now, here are more. This goes back even further. And I want to just play these from Lancaster, showing you that this has been ongoing, guys. This is the one we already played for you. February 21st, Ukraine shells two schools in Donetsk. And right now, we are in the Kievsky... <laughs> right. Must be the tabs, right? <laughs> Guys, I don't know why you don't hear me when I say this stuff, but whatever. The, the point, it's, it's frustrating to think that there's somehow a consistent problem on multiple platforms and tabs and all blah, 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 blah. But the point is, he's showing you these schools. We'll see if that'll happen. The impact here behind me. Right, so it can load up the second part. The point is, guys, there you go. You can see the, the bombing. This is a school. Then you can back up and you can just you can you can verify for yourself. He gives you the number and everything. Hey, this is a school in a residential area that has been bombed repeatedly. Ask yourself why the main the Western corporate press doesn't care to report or even do look into this. They keep swear they keep claiming they have Associated Press and Reuters journalists there, but weird, they only seem to step up and scream when the Ukraine government says something happens. Here on February 26th, children found hiding in basement after artillery hit their apartment. Now, my point is showing you this. It's just to point out that the well, there's this big story going around Western press about this woman that's in her basement for a week. 
You know, that she, they come back and check with her later. Oh, and she's still in the bomb shelter in Ukraine because she's so scared of the evil Russian people and they're bombing. And yeah, okay, I'm sure that's probably what's happening. She's probably scared. But why is it happening? Because of the push to make this happen and the dangerous things they've created there. The bottom line is, why aren't they giving you the same perspective on this side? Are there not civilians hiding in bomb shelters in Donetsk? Yes, there are. And his point is, here you go. Here's children continuing to hide in their apartment because they're, they're everyone around them is getting bombed and exploded. It's one-sided. Do these civilians not matter? Just like back in the day when all of every Palestine's a terrorist, that's how they're framing this now because they're in the midst of the war. When they were in the height of all of that, now Israel's lost control of the narrative and clearly they're obviously the terrorists in the situation, the government. But here, it's early. So they're still at the path where you're not even allowed to speak up. It's like the early days of the Iraq war. You can't speak out against the Iraq war. You're a terrorist. That's how they play this game. Lancaster, Ukraine, shelling, March 5th. Dang it. I want to. Okay, check this out. No, it doesn't matter. basically a suburb of Donetsk. And last night, there was a shelling attack. That looks like it's working good. On uh, this street, uh, Nikitin, Donetsk. And last night, there was a shelling attack uh, here on uh, this street, uh, Nikitin. And behind me is the address number eight. And it said that uh, the... But a shell exploded here and shrapnel went through their home. This piece of shrapnel was one of them that went into their uh, kitchen. Now, I'm going to show you exactly how it played out. Out here in the trees here, it seems the shell exploded. The shrapnel came across. One hit here. There's a hole here. And uh, this plastic was already on the window to kind of save uh, energy and heat in the winter. This window here was broken by the shrapnel. We go into their kitchen. And that piece that came through the window here hit right here. Two children at home here. Uh, 115, 110, the mother at home. Uh, her husband is house on the front line right now. Um, I mean, it, it, but these are children and uh, women here. This isn't the only home that was hit. And the, the resident says, of course it was Ukraine. Even the, the child says it was, of course, of course Ukraine that shelled this uh, area. <sighs> um, so... Any shelling of civilian areas is completely wrong, whether it's on purpose or an accident. We're going to show you another location here and uh, just continue to show you all the breaking news on the ground here. So please like, subscribe, and share. It says, it says uh, be careful. We were sitting as usual, having rest as usual. Everything was okay and quiet, but then a bit after six, the shelling started. There was a whistle. It was a whistle like a whistle. It says, do you know, uh, at first we did not even understand what was going on. We got it only when it came heavier. A panic started. Everybody can uh, have uh, his 15-year-old. He said, and so it says, uh, yes, what do you think? Who shoots? Ukraine. He says, who else can shoot? He says, Russians do not open fire at children. 
Now you, you can argue that they're wrong or that they don't understand or that they don't, you know, whatever. These are people on the ground. And their argument is, well, that's not what Russia does. Right? Just it's just like that wouldn't be aired by the Western press because they don't agree with it. They would assume he must be lying or manipulated because that's not the truth, because they've already decided the truth. That's not what journalists are supposed to do. Anyway, I think it's pretty clear. I'll include all these you could find it for yourself. The point is that they're they're continuing as of today to shell and bomb civilian locations. So let's go back real quick and ask ourselves who actually violated the ceasefire. Right? Who actually stopped? Who actually violated the situation? And I mean, look, this is what they're saying here: Ukrainian nationalists are trying to set off the humanitarian disaster by creating the situations, by continuing to bombard residential areas. That's what this is. That's what the Russian government is warning. Doesn't that seem to be what's happening? Now, I, I will happily admit that this could be fake, manipulated, but I'm not seeing any other counterbalance here, guys. I would love to see it. And it's got to be something other than a weird clip that's manipulated. It has to be something like this. I don't mean it doesn't have to be. My point is it just needs to be valid evidence that's not just some mainstream statement from intelligence that we can't prove or some clip from Ukrainian intelligence that we can't verify. Like these things have to be something like this. And then you can still be objective and question it like you always should. But the point is that the Ukrainian parliament is the one claiming that this has been suspended because of their failure, when clearly they're the ones continuing to fire. And the point is, don't forget, we already told you, at the very least, that Ukraine, that the Donbass region was already telling you that the Ukrainian nationalists are preparing provocations in Mariupol. Well, it's, at the very least, it seems that they were correct, because that's what's happening right now. Now, you could argue that the Donbass people are attacking their own people to make this happen. Certainly possible, but I don't see any evidence of that. But we talked about this last time. They claimed this would happen, and that's where we are now. That's what seems to be happening. Now, before we go forward on that, because that's all well, I'm going to move this over, actually, because that's really what this one is. Here is from February 27th, USA and UK's lethal aid to Ukraine, captured by the Donbass forces. Why did that other one work? Right? I mean, if this is my tabs doing it, then why would one work and the other, all of them not? Doesn't make any sense. In any case, the point is, he finds the weaponry. They find the weaponry. They seize it. And you can just see it. It's just like with Yemen and everything else. The one, they're committing war crimes with the weaponry that they're giving to the, the white supremacist government. That's what's happening. It's easily verifiable to see on one side, at the very least, what they're doing to these people. Here he is showing you on March 5th that they're bombing civilian homes. We, they, this is what the, and this is in the area we're talking about. Mariupol. Here, Mariupol Diary, Associated Press. Suddenly, the Associated Press journalist that's there, oh, they're suddenly reporting on what's going on. Where were they about the other stuff? Scenes of despair, resolve in Ukraine City. Right. Because it's clear that there's one side of this narrative. A man dashes into a hospital with a toddler and it's, I'm I'm not trying to diminish what's happening. One, I don't know whether we, think about things like Oman from Syria. You remember that story? Should. Should remember the fake news that it was. Oh, that's not, uh, that's not, not Oman, the country. Was it Oman? There it is. Omron. That's right. Omron. Remember this kid? You should, because it was a false flag. 
if you want to call it that, or just a psyop, fake news. The the father later spoke up, as we've discussed, and anybody honest covered, and openly spoke out about how he they fake this whole thing. They came and they grabbed him, they painted him up, they put him in the back of the thing, and they just they just set him there and started taking pictures. And his father came later, like, what are you doing? It's this is fake. So too was the Bana, the fake news story about that little girl that knew nothing what she was saying. It was completely this is CIA operation stuff, guys. They fake and manufacture war. It's constant. So my point is, when you see these kind of things, I don't know why we immediately go. I mean, because they they use stuff like this to get you emotionally invested. That's why they do it. Now that doesn't have to mean it's fake. Could mean they're using real tragedy that they're, or maybe stuff that they allowed to happen so they could use it. And you could argue that on both sides. But in this case, my point is, why would we only take one side of this? And this is my point: new mothers make infants in bomb shelter. Okay, well, what about these people? Guess Associated Press just missed that when it happens on all sides. You can just clearly see a one-sided, aggressive effort. Now, March 5th, again, task reporting nationalists in uh, Mariupol setting up emplacements in schools, hospitals, Russian reporting, quote, the servicemen of the the, the Donetsk People's Republic continue tightening their encirclement of the Mariupol. Militants of the Azov and and Idir nationalist battalions are delivering fire on the people's militias units that have entered the city from positions equipped, equipped in schools, hospitals, maternity homes, and kindergartens. When clarifying the, de- the development unfolding, the Russian Defense Ministry reassured that Russian troops are not targeting Ukrainian cities, but are limited to surgically striking and incapacitating Ukrainian military infrastructure. There are no threats whatsoever to civilian populations. Now, you could call them the liars, but when this all go, like, we need to, there are going to be some efforts to go in here and prove these things. Like to find out officially where these things are they claim that are happening. Like where are the kindergartens they claim are being bombed? Where are the schools? Where are the attacks? Where are the focus? The point is it may turn out that that's not what we find at all. Because you know what? None of this is being proved. But I can show you videos and plenty of other locations. And right now we have a narrative about peacekeeping and the idea that even these colonels are telling you that's not what he wants to do. But apparently we're just decided already what's actually happening because we know Putin's bad, right? Don't we? Don't we all know? Have we been told that incessantly by our media? Don't we know that? Well, I guess proof doesn't matter. Evidence no longer matters in this case. I think all governments are bad. Red Cross updates on Ukraine humanitarian corridors. Here's the point. Mariupol authorities said earlier on Saturday that evacuation of civilians planned for today have been postponed while negotiations of, with Russia are ongoing. Okay, well, that doesn't seem to be the same argument. Over here, they're claiming that it's because Russia did bad stuff. Well, Red Cross is simply just saying because they're in negotiations. That's interesting. Well, on top of that, we do know that they are, in fact, still bombing the civilian areas while they claim that that's what's going on. It's interesting. But as it says, according to the official representative of the People's Militia of the Donetsk People's Republic, only 17 people, 12 adults and five children managed to leave Mariupol. It says both Mariupol and Volnokova have been surrounded by DPR forces, which, which, along with Russia's Ministry of Defense, blame Ukrainian nationalists for simply not letting civilians to to safely leave. Well, that sounds exactly like what happened in Syria and the forces they were arming there. So if the people that the U.S. backs are any indication, I wouldn't be surprised. History matters in regard to, especially when you don't know what's going on. Their past actions are relevant. That the latter had secured safe passages on humanitarian routes 
from the two cities. The ministry claimed that the brief pause in Russian offensive had been used to pull in more forces. Again, they could be making that up, but that's exactly what the U.S.-backed forces have always done, and the U.N. has verified in places like Yemen and Saudi Arabia. RT was unable to independently verify the situation in, in Mariupol, right? That's not what the Fox and CNN the world would do. They just par- parrot what they're supposed to say and say we know because we know. RT is at the very least willing to say we don't know. We couldn't verify it. Now, the point here, the ministry claims the pause is to put in more forces. So we have to at least ask whether these people would do that. And well, who are we talking about? Oh, that's right. The open, disgusting, white supremacist, terrorist-focused type of groups that the mainstream was talking about moments ago. Ooh, they're bad, disgusting, and gross, but now we're pretending that it's okay to go fight with them. You know this doesn't make sense. This is President Putin's explain the attack against this whole situation was to demilitarize Ukraine, protects the Donbass regions and its own safety interests. The West considers offensive unlawful and unjustified. Of course it does, right? Because why would a less severe version of what they've done, you know, 17 times in a row be acceptable at all, right? Only we're allowed to ruin countries and destroy people's lives. Only we are, not you. The West can, even if you, you may not think nothing's happening. But sources reveal how Donbass and Ukraine evacuees took refuge in Russia. Almost 156,000 residents of the Donbass region have evacuated to Russia. And I find this interesting, about 18,000 people have left Ukraine through the Russian checkpoints. Now, I've seen this discussed by even mainstream discussion. Like there are people from Donbass, or from not just Donbass, but Ukraine proper, fleeing to Russia. Now, likewise, I can promise you there are people fleeing in the other direction, too. But ask yourself this. If there are people in Ukraine fleeing into Russia who they're claiming as the invading force destroying people's lives, how does that remotely make sense? That's the same as they framed in Syria. Oh, Assad's murdering his own people, and they're so happy to have the U.S. save them. Well, the reality, which was roundly proven by everybody everywhere, was that these people were fleeing back into the safe (laughs) embrace of the Assad government because they were protecting them against the terrorists that were unleashed by the U.S. government. But that's not how they framed it. They lied about it. Same with the evacuees. They tried to stop, and they framed it as the other way around. Well, is that happening here? I don't know. But history matters. And these are the same groups backed by the same people. Now, it says he specified that recently about 18,000 citizens of Russia, Ukraine, and other countries left the Ukrainian territory through checkpoints in the Belgorod and and different areas and the Republic of Crimea. Well, speaks quite differently of a group that's willing to flee into the occupier, right? Sort of different. Ukraine-Russia negotiator killed. Now, this is just an interesting story about how it seems there was a negotiator on the side of Ukraine. Basically, sources in Ukraine, they're claiming, have reported a member of the delegation of Kiev sent to engage in talks with Moscow was killed. Now, this is the first claim about the death of this guy. His name was Denis Kreev came from this uh, Dubinsky guy, a, con- a controversial MP and journalist. In a post on social media, he claimed that Kareev had been killed by agents of the SBU, that's the special forces of the Ukrainian government, and had been killed by those agents in the Ukrainian secret service, security service, during an attempt to arrest him. The assertion was later confirmed by two other media outlets. They cited their anonymous sources, like every seemingly main corporate outlet does today. The former published a partially blurred photo of what they claim was that person's body. The image showed someone lying on the sidewalk, face up, and what appeared to be a blood on his face. 
pulling on his head. No comments from Ukrainian officials were available. It says an even more dramatic description of what had allegedly happened was published by another journalist, or rather a Ukrainian politician, in fact. So in Ukraine, he claimed that Kariv, quote, was executed by a shot in the head near a courthouse in Kiev. So now we've got four independent sources, three journalist outlets, and a politician inside the Kiev government who's openly saying that the S, the special forces of Ukraine shot a man dead in the street because he was, I don't know, not doing what they wanted. At the very least, somebody who just didn't get a trial, did he, in his democracy of Ukraine? <laughs> I mean, this guys, these are bad people. This, that's even a Ukrainian politician pointing at that. This, this is the guy right here who is at the delegation. Now he's dead. Or reportedly dead. And this is from multiple sources. Very strange. These aren't people that the, the, your, your mindlessly following corporate press has no idea what they're talking about. They never do, in my opinion, or they're part of it. Like the, you know, when they become the clappers and the Brennans that are in that same apparatus, they clearly know the game as the players themselves. But finally, I want us to think about the great reset here as we wrap into the end of this supply chain issue that's building because of what's happening. We can't miss how a lot of this, of this whole Ukraine situation, has bled over into the same sort of agendas. They're rationalizing the reimagining stuff because of where this is, you know, rationalizing the new technocratic globalization collectivism because we can't allow the bad guys to do this anymore. And it's the same stuff, same reasoning, same rationale. Here's a, here's a report. Food wars, Russia bans fertilizer exports to crush global markets. Hungary bans all grain exports. So what's interesting is, from an objective standpoint, you can obviously see why, let's say, Russia would take an action like this if this is in fact what happened because of what the U.S. has done. They, they're, they're isolating them from everything, including things that don't even connect to their government, attacking civilians in sports games and stuff. It's ridiculous. So when Russia takes an action to likewise potentially hurt what they're doing, because that's the only reason they're doing this action to Russia, to hurt them, that's even their stated purpose to get them to stop, they claim. That's not what will happen. Russia taking action in reverse, of course, is framed as terrible. Look at what a bad guy they are. They're hurting everybody around the world by taking... Right. It's just incredibly hypocritical. But what I think they want to do here is drive people like me into supporting an action like this. I don't support this. I don't support either side taking petty actions like this. What does it ultimately amount to? Supply chain issues, which drive us into the same point, which rationalize the Great Reset. You don't see that? This is obvious to me. So now they can frame this as a back and forth and you want to take a side. Well, what are you ultimately doing? Whichever side you're backing, if you are in the two-party paradigm, you're backing supply chain issues. Interesting. Now, here are some other articles, same thing, Russia bans ammonia nitrate exports. Now, oh, here's the point, by the way. When you look into this, you see a lot of mainstream reports saying the same thing. Russia bans exports, Russia, Bloomberg, Russia calls on domestic fertilizer price to halt. Well, that's in fact not what happened. Of course, shocking, I know. The mainstream media got it wrong. Oh my God, can you believe that? Well, the point is they're only now, as you can see, one day, one day, two days ago, only now do they care. And, 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 and every article they discuss, they're not framing, they're, they're acting like this just happened in response to what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Because that's how this makes sense to their narrative. But too bad it happened in, on February 2nd. Oops. Happened before it started. 
Russia bans ammonium nitrate amid early spring sowing. This happened on February 2nd. Here's another report. This is March 4th, but it says Russian fertilizer export ban in context. Now it says the full, I thought I had one more in there actually. Uh, I guess not. That's weird. I could have swore I had, oh, okay, there it is right there. I just had it in the wrong spot. Here's just another one, just so you can see it. This is from S&P Global. February 2nd, long before this that started, like as we see it in news today, Russia bans ammonia nitrate exports until April to support domestic farmers. So there's even a narrative around it. It has nothing to do with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, not even remotely connected to it. In fact, there's actually reasons around it, which I'll show you next. And the point was, it wasn't even indefinite. They just said, we're going to do it until April. All of the mainstream press knows this because it takes half a second to do your due diligence to find that out. But they don't care because they know it works for the narrative. And this is what people are trusting today. Across the board, left and right, blindly trusting their chosen media apparatus. These people are ridiculous. The point is it was done before. And here's some more of the context. He says the full statement, not just what they want to clip out of it, the full statement from Russian trade ministry said, quote, the ministry had to recommend Russian producers back in February 2nd temporarily suspend export shipments of Russian fertilizer until carriers resume rhythmic work and provide guarantees that Russian fertilizer exports will be completed in full, probably due to COVID and supply chain issues, right? Same, it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. It's the same problem. Importantly, Russia had already banned ammonia nitrate exports in an announcement February 2nd, whereby trade was to be postponed only until April 2022. Isn't that incredible? Like, I just can't get past how stupid this all is, that it's so obvious. They just don't care. Here's Bloomberg happily misrepresenting the situation. Russian jolts global fertilizer market by seeking an end to exports. Losing Russia would be a severe supply chain. You know, it's their fear-mongering. March 4th. Here's what it says. Russia efforts to halt fertilizer exports by domestic producers threatens to shock the global market. Well, it already happened. Happened a month ago, in fact. So they're framing it dishonestly right out of the gate as if it just happened and as if that's about to cause something. Well, if it happened in a month ago, it's already caused whatever it's going to cause. So the idea is that they're making this into what they want it to be. The point is, as I said, what's it going to do? Exacerbate food inflation around the world. Exactly. So we should genuinely ask whether there is some level of coordination here that's driving in the direction of exactly the same things they were pushing around COVID-19. Just a thought. That doesn't mean that what's happening in Donbass is not ethnic cleansing. That doesn't mean that what the U.S. and and the Ukraine and the United States are fighting about on the ground isn't real. But it does mean that there's always overarching agendas. There's a larger thing happening here. That's why all the governments seem in lockstep, right? When it comes to certain topics. The point being, They're framing this dishonestly as if it just happened and it all leads in that same direction. Now it says losing Russia and their large export volumes would be a severe supply side shock to the market. Says Alexis Maxwell, an analyst for Bloomberg, an analyst who clearly has no idea what they're talking about or lying to you if they pretend this just happened. Russia's move adds uncertainty to the global markets when farmers in Brazil, the world's largest fertilizer importer, are already having trouble getting more new... It's just breathless fear-mongering about something that already happened that has nothing to do with the conflict. I just can't get past how crazy and ridiculous all of this is and how obvious I've never seen it this obvious. February 2nd. Finally, 
Putin's media crackdown finds a martyr as Russian TV staff sign off on final live stream to Swan Lake. So this is a probably whatever an outlet out there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who. Nobody should be censored. Putin's media crackdown. Right. Fortune, fortune framing this as, you know, it's only over there. It's not happening here. It's only happening for freedom over here. The Kremlin saying it's fears, it fears false information disseminated by enemies of the state, which regardless of what you think of him, if you pretend that's not true, you're being ridiculous. We all know that they're playing the information game just like every other government. So they claim the Kremlin passed a law on Friday through the lower houses of parliament that would increase jail time up to 15 years for anyone intentionally spreading fake news about the military. Which, by the way, is, I mean, exactly what's happening in this country and what's exactly happening around the online safety bill. They, they do the same things. There's jail time, there's fines. If you, if you go so far enough that you can literally be arrested as a terrorist in the US and the UK, but we're pretending like that's totally different and that he's doing something different. Both of these actions are wrong and guess what they both lead into? Censoring independent media and driving you into a controlled narrative like the Great Reset. We can't miss how obvious that is. And what they want you to do essentially is choose which side you want to censor you, right? I pick, I want this side, the right side. There, This is like they drive you into to, to picking, you know, like the, the lesser of two evils. As if there's only two things to choose from. Where They, they know they've, this, is the, this is the two-party paradigm of foreign policy. Now, March 5th, new organizations to stop broadcasting in Russia after new law. This is CGTV. CNN will stop broadcasting in Russia. The news channel said on Friday after the introduction of this new law. And I guess BBC is doing the same. So let me get this straight. So you're screaming about how you're being censored, but you censor yourself in Russia. Okay, that makes sense. We're going to virtue signal and, and leave in protest and stop reporting. Like, so here's the argument. They, they pretend they're so important to democracy when we need to report our facts to the people of Russia so they know what's going on. But at the moment that you don't like something, you stomp your feet and, hey, my ball, I'm going home. So wait a minute. Didn't you just scream about how it's important that you're there for them? And then all of a sudden you just walk away in a ridiculously meaningless statement of virtue signaling. Because obviously people can still access it online. So it's so, this is a fake thing to do. That's all this is. Not to suggest that their law is something you should support. Here is uh, The Hill saying the same thing, but it's not just CNN. Bloomberg, CNN, BBC, all halt operations in Russia. And does that hurt the government? <laughs> no. I mean, it, it's actually a benefit to everybody, in my opinion. But the argument would be that they're, they would argue their news is important for freedom and democracy. So you're going to deprive the Russian people of that. You see how openly dishonest this is. EU to ban Russian state-backed channels. Okay, explain the difference to me. You're, you're banning RT and Sputnik. You're claiming he's banning stuff, but you're actually censoring yourselves right now and pretending that's part of it. Either way, how is it different from what the U.S. government does every single day and is doing right there? It's not. It's literally not. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that. They're all state-backed. They're all influenced. Just like the other guy was saying, they're all vying for their control against each other. That's how this really works. And they all pretend we're doing good by everybody. It's just, you know, They're not going to come out and say we're fighting for money and control. You wouldn't support them, would you? Finally, here's the actual law. Russia blocks access to BBC and Voice of America websites. 
right? So this is why they're pulling out their operations. But the point is, guys, that this is exactly what they just did, right? They're blocking access to the same exact thing. Now, can you can you argue RT and Sputnik are propaganda? Of course you could. I personally find them to be at least slightly better than what we see from BBC. I would argue there are some other, you know, even Western corporate press that would be better than those ones and maybe more close to RT Sputnik, but I question all of them. All of them have influence. You just find that RT and Sputnik is going to be obviously tailored towards what they want to promote for the Russian narrative. And you're going to find these other ones on the US side are going to do the same for them. Right? We have to be able to be honest about that. So when this happens, they scream censorship. Paskey says they're doing this and it's so bad and it proves they're not a democracy. And so you're basically saying that you're not either, but they don't want you to think like that. Finally, and this is the end point in the food part, Putin's energy shock is becoming a world food crisis. Really? That's a little self-serving, isn't it? Brace for rationing? Rationing. Brace for rationing. March 4th, 2022. (laughs) So, the Sydney Morning Herald in Australia is coming out and saying, get ready to ration your food because Russia's war in Ukraine. Wow. Now it says the world is facing a grain supply crunch even before Putin's invasion. Maybe it's because, I don't know, the, the, maybe things like the U.S. burning wheat fields in Syria. Uh, maybe that. Oh, no, no. Fake news. The United Nations food price index was already higher in the term. This is obviously manufactured. People like the Ice Age farmer have been screaming about this and he's been on it. He, he sees what I believe he's got a handle on this very clearly. A great interview I had with him a while back. Check it out on the t- on Last American Vagabond. The point, guys, is this, whether or not, let's say Putin's actions are designed to drive us in this direction, they are. So maybe from a Trump perspective, you want to believe he's being led by the nose. I don't believe that. I think at some level, these governments are all in line with the lockstep agenda, but there are vying agendas within that. If his actions are driving the same crisis leading to the brace for rationing, reimagining of everything because it didn't work, then it's all part of the same plan in my eyes. Now, I want to share something that uh, was shared with me. I'm trying to remember really quick who was that. Oh, exactly. I'm glad I just remembered this. This was in the Storm Clouds Gathering Telegram channel, which you should subscribe to and follow. As I just said, he's doing a great job. Here is what Ice Age Farmer stated. And it was just shared on, on Storm Cloud Gathering Telegram. He said, quote, and this is uh, Christian uh, Westbrook doing a great job. Ice Age Farmer. The global food supply is being intentionally sabotaged. Famine is coming, he says. If you live in a city, get out now. The plan is to gradually grind you down. Weaken the population until it is incapable of mounting any physical resistance. Sounds like the sanctions I was discussing. If you are not already farming using methods that do not require fossil fuels, you would be well advised to build relationships with those who do. The best way to achieve this is to volunteer. I love this idea. Lots of farmers will even host you for free. If there are, if you're a good worker, it benefits them. These are practical skills like carpenters, welders, electricians. Get red carpet treatment. Pool your strength, talents, and resources and build parallel economies. Yes, it, wouldn't be, it won't be easy, but it's our only hope. To rely on the current system going forward is suicidal. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you could argue that the that famine is coming, get out of the cities might be might feel like doomsday fear mongering, but guys, it might not happen like that exactly. But I'll tell you, I've never seen a more valid time to state like we're on the edge of something. And I think that the very least, it is it is time to. I mean, we've been I, I, like I've always said, 
having food, storing cans and uh, doing anything like that, preparing for anything, learning how to fix a car, learning how to you know sew sutures and any of this stuff. Those are valid things to know just for survival, for history, for anything. Because if history's taught us anything, it is that every single situation, any society, any anything, it always comes to a point of collapse. Always. It always has. So it's a no-brainer to think that at some point this is going to drive to a point where things get destabilized. Why would you not want to be prepared? And now we're at a point where it seems like the government's driving it there for their own interests. So I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and it's time to start taking action to prepare. And even if it doesn't happen, it's still smart to be prepared. Now, finally, PolitiFact says, guess what? Russia is targeting, or the claim that we keep hearing, Russia's targeting U.S. biological weapons labs and Ukraine invasion. Now, yes, this is a very, it's coming from one side of a very partisan standpoint. Doesn't mean it's fake. But to them, it's fake news. Why? Well, apparently there are no U.S.-run biolabs in Ukraine. Contrary to social media posts, as it says, the U.S. Department of Defense and the Ukraine Ministry of Health, well, they have had a partnership since 2005, but to improve public health laboratories and prevent the threat of outbreaks of infectious disease. So that's that's their, their fact check. Fake, because it's not a bio lab. Well, let's take a look at that. And I'm not, I'm not going to look any further than the U.S. statement from the embassy of Ukraine. American-Ukrainian partnership in reducing biological threats. Well, so far, it seems to say what the PolitiFact thing said, but let's read what it says. And by the way, this is April 22nd, 22nd of 2020, right? So it's very close to all of this in COVID-19 land. The U.S. Embassy would like to state the real state of affairs regarding the spread of misinformation circulating in some circles of Ukraine. Okay, it's weird that this was circulating in Ukraine because COVID before the whole Russian thing. Doesn't that seem a bit suspicious to you? It should. This is, I mean, think about the weird connection there. The the supposed disinformation that the U.S. government is doing weird things inside of Ukraine, which, by the way, they obviously are. They're doing it in Georgia. They're doing it all around this place. They have BSL-4 labs. I mean, I I had that Pentagon. I'll I'll take it. I'm at the end. I don't want to find it. But that image we showed from the DOD that they admit their own BSL-4 labs are all over the world. Those are bioweapons labs. So the point is they're, they're countering the, the Russian disinformation about this happening in Ukraine, and that's, that's in COVID context before this in, invasion? That's pretty suspicious, I got to say. It seems that there's more, this was being built, is the point. But it says, following the disinformation about the U.S.-Ukrainian partnership in reducing biological threats. Here's what they're telling you is happening. And now tell me, this is not what you know it is. Now that we further understand the illusion of the EPPP research to the cover of all of this, the U.S. Department of Defense's biosecurity program. Okay, wait a minute. Right, first thing they state, didn't they just say that? Okay, they say there is no U.S. run bio labs in Ukraine. Okay. The U.S. Department of Defense biosecurity program is working in Ukraine with the Ukrainian government to ensure consolidated and secure storage of pathogens and threatening toxins in relevant government agencies so that peaceful research and vaccines can be conducted. Okay, it doesn't matter how you want to ladder that statement in, oh, because safe stuff. You're working with the storage of pathogens and toxins. Do you know what biolab means? PolitiFact. Do you know what that means? 
Biolabs produce supplies of recombinant native enzymes. Well, that's a bad. A biolab is what the U.S. says they use to make vaccines. Biolab, according to the U.S. government, doesn't have a negative connotation. But see, PolitiFact literally states in their ridiculous fact checks because they're trying to undermine that Russia's targeting U.S. biological weapons labs. But in their statement, they say simply there are no U.S. run biolabs. And then counter by saying, nope, nope, it's just about improving health and stuff. Well, no, it's not. They just stated it's about consolidating in the secure storage of pathogens and toxins. That means, why would they store them if they're not working with them? And if they're working with them, even in the, the false guise of working for vaccines, that's literally the definition of a biolab. That's what's called a BSL-4 lab, right? A biosecurity level three. These people are ridiculous. PolitiFacts is a joke. They, I, I, I don't even think they genuinely even try to fact check. I think they check with what the narrative is and so and toe the line. Because this is just embarrassing. Their own statement by definition is a biolab. But they claim, well, it's for peaceful research and vaccines. But guys, that's a flimsy, childish narrative that's been laughed out of Congress. That's why they changed the EPPP to hide the gain of function they were openly doing. The bottom line is their argument that they can work on research, which means, by the way, they're working on very dangerous things, to alter them, to make them more dangerous as gain of function, to then make it a vaccine for that dangerous thing, under the guise that should that thing naturally happen, or rather, excuse me, uh, some other government makes a weapon from it, and somehow luckily makes exactly the same unique thing you made in secret in that lab. Because that makes sense, right? We happen to have a vaccine for it. You know, the more likely scenario that somebody steals that or uses it or it leaks out or they use it themselves, then there's there's something they can use. That's how it's come into play in the past. Are we really going to pretend that some other government's going to just happen to make the same thing they were secretly making? That's the stupidest argument of all time. And they still make the argument. They're making weapons, guys. Other doctors, scientists, governments have openly called this out. It says, we are also working with our Ukrainian partners to develop Ukraine's ability to detect outbreaks caused by dangerous pathogens before they pose a threat. So they're also doing medical pre-crime. I just highlight, I think that was it, really. Our joint efforts help to ensure dangerous pathogens do not fall into the wrong hands. You mean like the white nationalist government of Ukraine, who's openly said they want to ethnically cleanse these people right over here? Yeah, they're okay, though. Sort of like when we arm Saddam Hussein to attack Iranians with chemical weapons, or we arm Saudi Arabia to use white phosphorus on the Yemeni civilians. You know, all those good guy things we do around the world. Just like this one here. Totally not real. Fake news, says PolitiFact. Thank you for your opinion check. As we know, their opinions, right? They're protected opinions, as they argued in a court of law, or at least Facebook did. What a comical world we live in. These people are a joke. February 25th, 2022. U.S. official. Russian invasion of Ukraine risks release of dangerous pathogens. (laughs) Not making this up. Okay. So PolitiFact says totally fake. There are no biolabs in the U.S. Ukraine controlled areas. Then they basically admit that, yes, we're doing that and we're making it, but it's for safe reasons. Then... Because they're pushing in there, they warn, oh my God, it could cause pathogens to be released from the place that we don't have in that area. (laughs) It's just so stupid. Just so stupid. False claims of U.S. bio-warfare labs in Ukraine grip QAnon. 
you just you literally just said that those are the things that could leak out from those bio labs should something go wrong. And then here's foreign policy saying fake news, QAnon, grips claims of bio warfare labs. It just is utterly ridiculous. Their argument here is simply to oh, they're not bio warfare, they're they're biosecurity. That's how they play that game. They're making vaccines, not weapons. How dare you suggest such an obvious thing? Finally, here's Vice. Here's why QAnon. Look at that. That's the stupidest thing in the world. You really have to scroll to the bottom to see. Vice is terrible. Can you click that? Nope. Look at that. How are you supposed to see the title? <sighs> yes, it's the fake news platforms do today. Here's why QAnon believes Vladimir Putin is the good guy. Now, just to finish up, guys, don't don't forget, they already just pointed out or claimed that Trump was involved in some global conspiracy around January 6th. It's crazy. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. And, and I'm not to say that Trump wasn't. I'm just saying that if it was Trump involved, it was the government. It wasn't I, they, to, to lay this at the feet of Trump, I would argue, was exactly why he was put in that position. That's why this was a plan. And he didn't even realize it if he's not part of it himself. They're framing this as QAnon because they're right now trying to lay the groundwork for this. That's my opinion, and I very strongly believe this is what's happening. They've built this white supremacist threat in Ukraine. They're planning to lay it at the feet of Russia and the Russian imperial movement, and they've already laid that groundwork, even though there's no evidence whatsoever to connect it back to the United States people in the United States, despite the fact that you can prove that alongside these as a battalion or the fact that they're right now going over their fight with them right now, or they've been arrested in the past for fighting with them, or these thousand examples, or the mainstream was moments ago saying that they're all going over there to fight with them. It's just, it's ridiculous. But what they want you to think, and what you want you to see here, is that the right are the ones believing that he's the good guy. Therefore, they're the ones working with the Russian imperial movement. They're, and because we, all, they're all, we already know they're white supremacists, right? We know, because they're red hats, therefore, therefore bad. Because that's, that's intelligence, right? That's fact, right? He's catch you tell he's wearing a red hat. Don't you know? So that's going to connect with them back to the larger picture. Well, they think Putin good guy, even though I can point to plenty of Republicans or even QAnon believers that don't think that. I mean, even Trump would say the opposite. I mean, it's just so silly. Right, someone asked in the chat, QAnon still a thing? Well, it actually still is, believe it or not. People are still believing Trump is still president and he's going to get put back in place or that it was all a big plan to let him take the win and then he's going to come back in 2024. It's crazy. It's just like it, it's as subjective and childish and naive as it was in the first place. There are still people that are lockstep with this ridiculous thing. But, and that's despite it being admitted to be false, even by people like General Flynn admit, it realized that. They want to tie this to Putin and lay at the feet of Trump because I believe that's why he was put in place because they want to lay it at the feet of the white supremacist argument, which they claim will tie back to the Russian imperial movement. But it's all been set up. It's all been set up because don't forget the QAnon is the whole point. That's the radicalized movement of the thing here and on and on and on. But don't forget the rise above movement that they're trying to frame of the connection to this. That was at Charlottesville. The rise above movement is literally the U.S. arm of the Azov Battalion. Here is your expert, Kuzmenko, on this topic, saying the movement has gone international on multiple fronts with the known contacts in Germany's neo-Nazi third party and America's rise above movement. Yeah, I just talked about this. If you don't don't remember, just look it up really quick. Type Charlottesville rise above movement, and you'll find a thousand articles freaking out about how the rise above movement is going to take over the country and how there's Charlottesville and the the chance. That's actually this picture, I think, wasn't it? Was it this one? 
No, that's the uh, that's the Ukraine one. But the, it, it looked just like that, didn't it? Because it was the same thing. The Azov Battalion is directly connected to the Rise Above movement. It's, in fact, their movement. We also discussed in other articles how the Rise Above movement has literal virtual dis- meetings and actual meetings with the Azov Battalion. So today, when they point at that and argue there's an up, a rise up of white nationalism in this country, trying to connect it to QAnon and back to Trump, and therefore back to whatever they want, they are ignoring the reality because there's an obvious agenda at play. We need to see that. Well, that's where I'm going to leave it today, guys. You can see why I had to split this up. That would have been a, a five-hour show. But thank you for, for those that did tune in, and please get this information out. This is so very important. It's just so clear how... Whatever you think of, of, of Putin, whatever side here, that you're, the government of the United States is lying. Every single time they go, they, they are manipulating the agenda to push in what they want to push in, and they're hurting people to do it, just like they have every other time before this. And if you only see that as you know, one-sided because you only want to take one side, or you know, however you look at that, it is possible, you understand, to be honest about the government of the United States, or honest about the government of Israel, for that matter, and still be able to acknowledge that the other side may also be bad, or that there might might be you know nuance or truth to what the U.S. says. However, you want to look at it, these people are bad. If they're funding the the neo-Nazi groups there, if they're funding the jihadists over there, if they're funding all of these things and and throwing them at civilians and then using that attacks to to justify their illegal invasions, they are the terrorists. It's that simple. That doesn't mean the other ones over there are not. And I don't know why we always have to play that game, but the reality is it's time to wake up to what's really happening because we are this close to being driven into some future that we can't get away from. Went from COVID to this, and we they non and I just showed you the COVID stuff's not stopping either. So please make sure you check out that show as well. I love you all. Thank you for being here. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.